does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. To be consistently successful in the NBA, you've got to be able to win different ways. If you just have one formula, you know, teams are going to figure it out. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I mean, having some diversity, being able to, you know, stretch our second unit out, um, those guys being in a strong paint attack mode, um, you know, winning, winning without making 16 or 18 threes, you know, those are all good signs for us. Um, the other key was in the second half, they only had four threes. And in the first half, I think they had 10. And so that was something that had to change. So, you know, guys did a good job with with game plan focus there. I mean, he lives at the free throw line. Like, that's just who he is. He does a great job getting there, uh, puts the pressure on the defense, puts the pressure on, you know, the refs to make calls. Uh, he does a great job of getting downhill. I mean, he's, like I said, man, he's kind of unstoppable when he's doing that. So, uh, yeah, he was really big for us today. He yeah, really got us over the hump in that third quarter and in the fourth. So, uh, you know, it's a big game for him. So I can't speak specifically on his medical condition. I will say is that, you know, he's fighting. He's a fighter. Um, you know, I, I felt like in the moment it, there needed to be some clarity that, you know, he, he was at a he was awake at that time and um, now he's sedated. So, um, you know, the family's in good spirits. We're honestly just taking it minute by minute hour by hour we just had our prayer our, our db prayer we do every wednesday mm. outside he was next to me and i just grabbed his hand a little bit harder just because you know you never know when like the last day could be that you get in a experience something like this you know so i'm just i'm cherishing it every moment i can indianapolis welcome in this is 107.5 the fan charlie clifford of wish tv jimmy cook you just heard that last piece of eddie garrison's introduction this afternoon Tuesday, January 3rd, DeMar Hamlin, the story across the sports world. It's certainly on the forefront of our minds this afternoon. Kevin and Jake, a fantastic job this morning. We will provide you any updates that come along. We do not have any new information to share about the Bills safety who collapsed on the field last night in Cincinnati. Monday night football, the first quarter of the AFC showdown to close the regular season, a sold out crowd waiting to see Joe Burrow battle Josh Allen and the frightening, terrifying result of what ultimately happened to DeMar Hamlin in that first quarter, collapsing to the field, nine minutes of CPR, rushed to the UC Medical Trauma Center uh, alongside his mother, who was in attendance from the game. She made the short trip from Pittsburgh to watch her son, a sixth-round pick one year ago, who didn't play much on the Bills, who found himself in a starting role this season. It's just an uplifting story from an underdog perspective. And now, DeMar Hamlin's health, first and foremost, the most important story in sports today. Again, still in critical condition at UBC Medical Center. Jimmy Cook. Jimmy also, a courtesy to Jordan Rooney, who's done just a fantastic job on social media. Close friend of DeMar Hamlin. He's his marketing rep. That was the last bit of audio you heard from Eddie Garrison's intro there. 
Jimmy, where do you sit this afternoon with all of the unknowns and knowing the weight of this story is hovering around all of us in the sports world? I mean, Charlie, it's just it's just a very heavy day. It's been a very heavy 12 hours, and, and that's coming from somebody that's just a, a human being like you. I have no ties to DeMar Hamlin. Right, I, I can't even begin to put myself in, in his family's shoes. Uh, anybody that's associated with him that's helping him through this process uh, in general. Like you mentioned, uh, his rep, Jordan Rooney, like anybody that's in those roles that are having to navigate through all these unknowns, uh, my, my heart breaks for them. My prayers are with them. Uh, I mean, it's every, regardless of what level of the sport it's at, it is every parent's worst nightmare to yeah. see your child collapse on the field of play or collapse anywhere any any type of instant of cardiac arrest where there's so much unknowns what is happening to my child i mean it's 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 a horrific moment and it's a moment that when you're at that stage of uh societal consumption the nfl being such a monster that it is millions of people witnessed this event last night and are are, are dealing with it and processing it and at this point like charlie mentioned no uh like major updates this point other than the statement saying that we appreciate all the kind words the prayers and and i know we're going to talk about that at some point but the donations will tie into his toy drive at some right. point as well but that was absolutely insane going from ten thousand dollars to over two million when i went to bed last night i don't know where it's at now uh, his toy drive in pittsburgh where he helps local kids so i mean it's the community reaction has been very uplifting but the moment itself is still so Fresh. Somber and fragile that yeah. yeah your 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 prayers are with Hamlin your prayers are with his family your prayers are with the the Bills the Bengals players that were on the field with them it, it's just a a very very tragic sad evening that at this point you hope for the best and your prayers and well wishes are with his family so many of us are trying to learn as much as we can about Demar Hamlin what is very clear after just doing in the amount of time we've had to be able to read up on his life story, on what's been important to DeMar Hamlin every time he not only steps on a field, but he is out being himself in his Pittsburgh community and then going on to college at Pittsburgh and then becoming a Buffalo Bill. Again, this is his second season in the National Football League. Jimmy, the number one thing that I've walked away with about DeMar Hamlin is DeMar Hamlin loves people. DeMar Hamlin cares about being a leader for not only his younger brother, but everyone who grew up around him in a Pittsburgh area. DeMar Hamlin did not have a fairy tale childhood. He had to work for everything he was given. Uh, you mentioned the drive that I think is now approaching $4 million in donations on his GoFundMe page. DeMar Hamlin had college offers to play anywhere in America. Some of the biggest programs. He was the top defensive player as a senior coming out of Central Catholic in the Pittsburgh area. A teammate of Colts safety, Rodney Thomas II. And certainly we're sending our thoughts and prayers to Rodney Thomas II as well. I made that mention last night on Twitter. A few people got upset. That was in no way to diminish the severity and obviously anyone's thoughts going to DeMar Hamlin and his family, people know this young man. And for all of us that went to high school and who had close friends, I just had a close friend lose his mom earlier this year in a very tragic way. It is like that is family. 
And as we get a better sense of Damar Hamlin's inner circle, certainly anyone who is listening or anyone in the Buffalo or Pittsburgh community, the same prayers are going to you today because your life just changed as well. And um, back to his his high school decision, Jimmy, he can go anywhere in the country. He decides in a great piece by Tyler Dune, yep. I'm going to stay at Pittsburgh so I know, I know my little brother and everyone who's looked up to me, I'm not going to be the guy on the other coast who's going on ESPN and, hey, you can catch me on Instagram once a week. I want to be here. I want to physically be the role model to give other people a chance at chasing their dream as well. I, you know, we all have decisions in life where you can you can veer off on certain paths and it's very easy to just say, what would be the best path for me? You know, financially, personally, forget everything. You know, this is about me. This is my life. That was a point in DeMar Hamlin's life where he decided, you know what? It's not all about me. I'm going to sacrifice the potential to become maybe the biggest name I can be in college football and give myself the best chance at chasing my professional football dream. No, I'm going to stay in my backyard and I'm going to make it work. I just thought that was an incredibly powerful decision. What else have you gathered in terms of who this young man is, Jimmy? I mean, that spoke volumes to me, what you just emphasized, his college decision, because you talk about being a role model and giving back to your community. It's not just the toy drive, because there's a lot of, across the league, there are players, that's why they have the Walter Payton Man of the Year award a year Walter Payton Man of the Year Award every year, right? Because they want to highlight players that are above the game. They're wanting to give back to whether it's their communities, whether it's a special cause that matters a ton to them. To have that kind of foresight, and and that's not a knock by any means on other players that that go to bigger name schools than Pitt, but, but to have that type of foresight to understand I can dominate anywhere I play, this is bigger than just my four years, or, or in his case, uh, three years as a starter there at Pitt. This is bigger than that. This is showing people in my community that, hey, you can make it big here. You can make an impact here. You can, your day-to-day struggles, it's bigger than that. And to have that, like we talk about all the time of, of, of kids in that range that are high school kids that are getting ready to go to college, like in terms of their consciousness of the world, how how ready are they to tackle those challenges? And, and to have that kind of just mental capacity at that age. Again, it, does it maybe get glossed over uh, at times? Sure. Does it get underappreciated at times? Sure. But in this moment, and you look back at just kind of the man that he's become to this point, right. that, that's an outstanding level of of sincerity and just awareness of the moment. And then, again, to not when he finally ends up in Buffalo to not be done with the community, to have things like the toy drive that's active there to still be involved back home. I mean, it is as clearly like you mentioned a young man that is not only living out his dream and understands that he beat all the odds in terms of going from sixth round pick to right. a starting safety on a championship contender. Right. He still cares about the people around him. He still, and, and, God will it, he comes out of this, like I, his reaction to everything is going to be beautiful, but especially when it's known how his community came together for that Mm -hmm. toy drive 
And his family's already kind of hammered that point home, how overwhelmed they are with the world kind of the sports world coming together around him is 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 very special and, and why another reason all of us are are praying and hoping for a happy ending with this story. Again, if you're just joining us, 93-5-1075, the fan, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. We are going to speak with multiple different folks who were on site at Paycor Stadium last night in Cincinnati. Richard Skinner of WKRC in Cincinnati will join us at 1230. The voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde, will join the show at 130 perspective on an unprecedented night, not only in the National Football League, but across sports, certainly in this social media era, Jimmy, where a reporter's job last night, um, there is no playbook. You cannot attend the highest journalism program in the land and learn how to handle those moments. As you pointed to, the amount of grace and the amount of class from the top down, from Joe Buck in the booth to Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark, who took over in studio last night as the nation watched, to everyone locally in Cincinnati who was doing a proper job of sharing information and not speculation and respecting the privacy of ultimately this young man and his mother and the Buffalo Bills. I would like to get a quick thought from you on when we think of, you know, a lasting image from last night. For me, it was Bills head coach, Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals with all this uncertainty as DeMar Hamlin was rushed away in an ambulance about what now that these two individuals came together and made a quick decision in the grand scheme of things at the time, it it felt like, what is the uncertainty here? Why would you even attempt to play? That was a very powerful moment. And, And look, I know Zach Taylor's meant a ton to the Cincinnati community. We're a little closer and know probably a little more about Zach Taylor than we know Sean McDermott. Um, I saw multiple great notes on social media. That is when you're proud of who is leading your organization in moments like that. You know, wins and losses are in one column. This moments and decisions and how you act in situations like this will trump anything, any trophy that will sit on a mantle that you acquire as a head coach. What were your thoughts about what you saw in the images you walked away with last night, Jimmy. There were three that really stuck with me, um, including that one, but but to, to, to give three other ones that really have held with me since then. Um, how every anchor, every reporter was overcome with emotion, but particularly Lisa Salters towards the end there, her navigating through all this. Um, and she's just a prime example of reporters on the job that we, we so often, same thing with athletes, view it as robotic, view it as the sports world, that, that, sure. that is your job. You stay sure. within the lines. There's not a ton of day-to-day human emotion outside of winning and losing. So that for me and, and, and Lisa stood out to me um, 
as did Ryan Clark and how impassioned that he was with Scott Van Pelt. If you were still awake and you you watched uh, Sports Center with SVP and just how they navigated through all of that. Um, the other two images, and, and I'm not saying other Bills players weren't there. And no, didn't do of course, this, of but, course. And I don't know if this report was confirmed, but he definitely got to the hospital some way. The fact that Stefan Diggs took an Uber to get to the hospital to be there with the Hamlin family. I mean, because it, what are you processing? And and to they're, they're, whether they're holding you or whatever that process was with the teams, they were in the locker room for a really long time. Yeah. Like the fact that he gets out of there and he goes, and of course all of his teammates are around him, but I'm highlighting Diggs because that was an image from last night. It's him walking up to the hospital door because uh, he had been talking with an ESPN reporter at the time. I, I can't remember. If, uh, Coley was. Harvey. Yeah, it was yeah. Coley Harvey. Um, and then, look, I'm... I'm a rabid sports fan as anybody, and I've been to Bengals games before. I've never been to a Bills games, but people get rowdy. People get uh, sometimes, and you've had a little bit too much. You get too personal. You get too aggressive. It's the not an that, environment right. where you would bring your kids Correct. for most Correct. adults. Correct. I think that's Correct. the norm. Right. Even though it's just a small sample of the fan base that actually made the trip out there, the fact mm-hmm. that they're having candlelight vigils. Like, those people don't have to do that. They have hotels they could stay at. They can drive back home. Like, the fact that after all that, they were out there outside the hospital, I mean, it, there's just so much of a human element of this that a misstep here or there by anybody in that process, and, and, and you know, there's, there's drama that doesn't need to be added to this event. There was no drama last night. It was all different collective moments, the coaches like you mentioned, the broadcasters and the fans like I mentioned, of people just helping get through this shared traumatic event that is still ongoing right now. Jimmy, we're going to continue our coverage of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Again, the loan update and nothing has changed really today from an update standpoint, critical condition at UC Medical Center. All of our prayers going directly to DeMar Hamlin, his family, the Bills, and anyone who DeMar Hamlin has impacted in his life. He's a special person and will continue to attempt to share what he is all about as he continues his fight. Uh, In a much lighter sense, Jimmy, Look, an escape from what's been a very long season on the field here in Indianapolis, that's part of the reason you can shrug and remind yourself what is actually worth losing sleep over when it comes to the teams, the players, and the games you and I ultimately wake up and are excited about every single day. And they get us through really this adventure that we're all on together. I know that's why you're here. That's why you're listening today. That's why you're tuning into this station. It's because we all feel those same emotions and it's a beautiful thing. And often we toe the line of overreacting or maybe putting things in too much weight and something like last night happens, but in a much lighter sense, the uplifting story around Indianapolis, one of the best sports cities in the world has been the surprise team in the National Basketball Association. The Indiana Pacers just won four consecutive games. It's six of seven. It is a team, Jimmy, that no one can suddenly figure out late in games. They've gone toe-to-toe 
Toronto last night, it was Siakam, Van Fleet, Barnes, Cleveland, it was Mitchell and Garland. Mitchell just had 71 last night. In Boston, it was Tatum and Brown, Miami, Butler, Bam out of Bayou, Lowry, Los Angeles, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. The Pacers have closed out all of these teams and are now four wins away from their preseason win total prediction. Tyrese Halliburton playing savant-like, according to Rick Carlisle. You watched... They take care of Toronto. It wasn't a dramatic finish. The better team won down early, came back. Most impressive piece of what is now four consecutive wins, a sweep on the homestand as they take off for Philadelphia this afternoon. What was it? Two biggest things for me were that the issue early on in the season, or at least one of the points of why the Pacers aren't probably going to be a threat long-term, they showed sputters in closing games at times. That, that, that was something that was a part of this team in varying degrees throughout the first third of the season. Now we're kind of entering the second third of the season as we yeah. turn the calendar to 2023. So the way they've responded, because there was a time still with about five minutes to go in that game where it's like, okay, which who is going to blink first in this? Right. Barnes is hitting big shots. And Halliburton Anobi was monster shots. in the second it, half. It, it was, I mean, at one point... I remember what the official run was, but it was a 21 to like six run or four run by the Raptors. Right. They were the hot. Third, it, w- it was 19 to like two. 19 to two. So the, the fact that you're able to respond on a counterpunch like that and then close almost going away, at least that's how that game felt, just continues to exude confidence in where I think this team can go, what type of noise they can make this year. And then the clip circulated around Pacers social last night, but the second unit in the bench has continued the to be mob. just the mob. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, 54 bench points. Obviously, can't count on that on a nightly basis, but like in a big time game like that, and when we get into the playoffs, they destroyed Toronto's bench. That's what you have to have. You don't have to have 54, but you need your second unit to be something that elevates or pushes you back ahead in games when we get to the postseason. And they did that. Jimmy, we're all tempted to think, what could this become? Yeah. Could this could this turn into something even crazier than than you're allowing yourself right now to think it is? The best part about this team is every night feels like it's like a mystery box. Yes, there you are you are glued to these games as if like it's it's almost a bonus every single night. They're still playing well. They're this is this is real. It I have not felt this way around an NBA team. It's it's been longer than anything I've done covering the Pacers. For me, it was going back that Knicks team that made the finals against the Spurs. They're an eight seed. It was late nineties, ninety nine. They get ultimately Greg Popovich, and they sent the Knicks home. But like, it is such an organic brand of authentic, pure, unselfish, fun basketball. Which in today's day and age, you don't need to hear this. It's just tough to do that. The goal is to get one or two really good players, lean on them, mesh together a supporting cast, hope everyone gets along, and give it your best shot. This is a team that's taken the opposite approach that was willing to go into this season and say, hey, you know what, if this doesn't come together, there's this really good French kid who's 19 who's like, unlike anything we've seen in the history of the league. So that's not a... No, instead, they pieced together a coaching staff that deserves to be up for every award through nearly 40 games, a front office that 
had just been getting over its second breakup with a star player and had felt the heat of, you're never going to be able to keep anyone who's a star. You've whiffed now twice. Both of these guys at a time wanted to be here and then they left. No, no, no. You found yourself a Midwestern transcendent point guard who is beloved by his teammates, beloved by his fans. And now, Jimmy, you have Benedict Matherin, who last night, TJ McConnell, said, look, this guy bailed us out. He's special. If you don't know that by now, you should probably be watching more Pacers basketball. Benedict Matherin, sixth man of the year, rookie of the year. What have you gathered when you look at his numbers, Jimmy, through 40 games? This guy isn't starting games, but he's closing games as a rookie. Numbers speak for themselves. If the season ended today, he's your rookie of the year. He's your sixth man of the year. And that's Whew. that's not with a ton of bias on my part. No. I, I mean, the, the numbers say that. Data. Whether or not you want to follow full narratives and say, yeah, there's another guy here that, it, statistically speaking, and Eddie, if I'm wrong on this, correct me, I believe he is first in the league in points off the bench. Correct. And he's leading all rookies in points per game. So just from a... I think Ben Carroll has him on points per game now. Okay. I'll well have that, to double check. Gentlemen, Ben Matherin has 159 more points than any player off the bench this season. It's not even... Yep. He, he could sit for two weeks and still be in the lead. <laughs> this is... So again, I'm like, I, I don't hardcore analyze and study the draft every year outside of your top 15 or so. And if Jay Ivey was here, that happened, would I be upset? No, I, I don't. I also think a lot of it is the system and the coaching style of Rick Carlisle assisting in developing and guiding rookies through their first season. I think this was a perfect situation for Benedict Matherin to land. And that being said, he was the prospect based on who was going to be there for the Pacers. I wanted them to get the NCAA tournament was quite a ride. The Pac-12 tournament was exhilarating. Jay Cook was on this train early. But, but, but for him to have a good season, for him to have what he's having now, no, I was not on a train no. of rookie of the year, is in his grasp and six man of the year is is highly obtainable. Did not see this coming. I don't think anybody saw it coming except maybe the Pacers themselves. And then just the <laughs> Wally Wally Serbiak be damned. Thank the, you, Wally. The Thank you for your service. Just surge of Tyrese Halliburton being everything pundit said he was gonna be when, Seven the, games when the Kings now. traded him. Since that happened. They're fun again, man. This is the first time in five years that I have been fully invested in a Pacers team without a fear of, well, they're not really going to end up going anywhere. This is great. They're winning games, but there's no fear. Book the one-way ticket. Wherever this thing's going, you're going to end up somewhere very pleasant. I am... I am by nature pessimistic at times, so like I, I don't know where this ceiling is, but I'm refusing to allow myself to put a ceiling on it right now. And let's not because, do it. Exactly. Because let's, let's it, not do it. On a night tonight, to your point, they, they've deserved at a minimum right, to right. not be judged Correct. and forecasted. Correct. Watch the game when they play Philadelphia. You know, still a lot of ties there with the former coaching staff. Uh, TJ McConnell will talk trash to Joel Embiid for the duration of that 48-minute game. It is one of the best sideshows in the NBA. McConnell, 15 points, seven free throws last night. Rick Carlisle last night, Jimmy, called him a once-in-a-decade player from a sense of it's not once a month, it's not once a week. Every game TJ McConnell comes into, there is a loose ball that he'll make a play on and momentum will instantly shift You mentioned the bench points last night. You got to cheat this thing a little bit 
you're going to have to find a way to beat people off the bench just because starting five, starting five, let's face it, this team's still a bit undermanned, but they're finding a way to put it together. Seven players in double figures. Matherin's gone to the line 41 times the last five nights. They're not afraid of anybody. They're taking it right to you, and that's a beautiful thing if you're a fan of the Indiana Pacers. This is 93.5107.5, the fan, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, up next on the Mower Fisher hot, Mower Shop hotline out of Fishers. Richard Skinner, WKRC-TV, out of Cincinnati. He was on the field last night. It was a late night for all journalists at Paycor Stadium. He'll bring us an update on the DeMar Hamlin situation, what he saw in real time. That's next on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to the fan, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook. In this afternoon, we appreciate you tuning in, Indianapolis. We know all of you are waiting for what we're praying for is a fantastic update from Cincinnati. Damar Hamlin, the Bills' safety, who collapsed last night and received over nine minutes of CPR before heading to the UC Medical Center. All of the first responders, everyone who has huddled and teamed together to save this young man's life. We are thinking about you and your family as well. Joining us now on the Mower Shop Hotline out of Fishers, Richard Skinner, WKRC Cincinnati. Richard, we appreciate you joining. I know what is a very heavy day for anyone who had the job last night of sharing information and not speculation during an unprecedented moment for the National Football League. Um, If you can take us into... Your seat, what you saw as that play transpired in the first quarter, and then how your night evolved from that moment. Again, we appreciate you joining the show. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so you remember uh, early in the game, on the very first drive, there was a, a player who uh, who went down face first, closer to the Bengals' sideline. And I'm not sure I've ever seen medical personnel race out faster than they did for that player. Yeah. Um, and it kind of shocked me at the time. It shocked myself. I'm like, wow. I mean, he must be out cold. This must be bad. And it turned out he ended up getting up and walking off under his own power and then was evaluating for a concussion and did, did not return. But you, I saw that, and it almost kind of it just shocked the system to see that. And then when this play happened, or what seemed to be pretty innocuous initially, um, you know, to see personnel from both teams rushing out as fast as it did, you know, I'm thinking, here we go again. They initially then rolled him on. To, well, he, he collapsed to his back, actually. They, it looked like they were, from my vantage point, initially it looked like they were trying to stabilize his neck and his head, and they brought the backboard out. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I got binoculars on it. A couple of people around me are kind of trying to look, and all of a sudden I, I blurted out. I said, I think they're doing chest compressions. And somebody said, what? And then they looked down. They said, oh, I think you're right. And we timed it at about nine or ten minutes worth of chest compressions. Um, you know, he went into cardiac arrest on the field, obviously, and you know, finally then then put him in the ambulance and took him took him to the hospital. At that point, we went down to the locker area to try to just see what we could see because they'd not made an official decision yet. Um, saw Joe Burrow and and DJ Reader and a couple of Bengals captains and Zach Taylor walk down an adjacent hallway to go to the Bills locker room. Um, at that point, we got word from the NFL the game was was suspended. You know, within minutes, we see players start to leave, and one of those was T Higgins. And I thought it was the most poignant moment of the night. He came out. You could see just the sheer 
um, misery on his face. His mother was actually waiting for him right by where we were standing waiting as well. Ugh. Gave her a hug, kind of collapsed into her arms, and then you know left uh, the stadium with her a short time after. And I think that's the secondary part to this story. While DeMar Hamlin is, is chief among it and his survival is chief among it, the other part is whatever guilt that T. Higgins feels. He shouldn't feel guilt. It's a football play that was made, but you could just see the look on his face as a human being was, what did I just do? And it's, it's, it's yeah. the second part of this. It's just tragic. Richard, the connection that not only DeMar Hamlin's mother was in the stands, T. Higgins' right. mother, right. we all know anyone who's walked this earth in your toughest moments, you know, your mom is your right. biggest rock. And um, just a miracle in that sense that both of those young men, most importantly, DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin had mom there. And yeah. I, I, I know we're all leaning on the power of prayer and the invisible that we can't see as humans on this planet. One would hope that all of this energy together is going to make the difference and is making the difference right now down the road. The, the medical facility from the stadium, please give us a sense here in Indianapolis of where exactly DeMar Hamlin is in, in the treatment he is receiving here. I, I know you're very familiar with that. Yeah, it's, it's a level one trauma center. It's the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. It's about probably two to two and a half miles from the stadium, but it's kind of a wonky side street drive, if you will. Um, so it's probably by ambulance, six or seven minute drive okay. to, to, the, to the facility. You know, that's the, the, the if there's any saving grace to this is obviously, you know, teams have, have plans in place, emergency action plans in place. You had great medical personnel on the field that resuscitated him, you know, at least for the time being, and hopefully for good. You have a level one trauma center that's very close by. Um, and that, that's where they took him, and it's a short drive, so they were, you know, got a chance to get him some immediate attention. If, if you recall, um, you know, a couple of years, three or four years ago, I guess the Ryan Shazier injury for the Steelers, um, where he suffered the neck injury, he was taken to that same facility, and, and um, you know, after he was released, he, he sent out uh, many thanks to that facility for what they did for him. So yeah. they it is a first-class, you know, level one trauma center that they sent him to, close enough to the stadium. So, you know, there there are some silver linings to this. Um, you know, hopefully, it, it ends up being the difference. Richard, in a, in a situation like that, for a lot of people that you know aren't aren't in the world of of reporting, aren't in the world of journalism, aren't in the world of of, of newsrooms, or just the life on the beat, how do you navigate through not just uh, the misinformation that automatically comes with? A, a split second instance like this, but just navigating through the night with all of, like Charlie mentioned, the human emotion, the human element uh, of this story with Demar Hamlin and his family. Yeah, it was it was it was different because we didn't really get a chance to talk to players or coaches or really any personnel. Um, you know, both teams' public relations staff shut that down and fully understand that. I mean, you know, the emotions of that are so raw. But you could, like I said, you could see some of the that emotion in players, um, you know, in the T Higgins of the world. But yeah, I mean, I, I think for anybody, you report what you know firsthand, right? Not, right, not any, right. you know, Hey, my best friend's a doctor whose friend's a doctor <laughs> whose friend once was a doctor who wanted to be a doctor. And he says, um, no, now there are some medical prep professionals that have, that we have interviewed, um, at our station and they've surmised, but, um, again, those are at least medical professionals trying to offer a medical opinion. I will trust that opinion, but yeah, anything like that. There's a, a local media personality, I think, that tweeted out last night that 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 uh, that he had heard that that Demar Hamlin had passed, 
Um, you know, I don't I don't know how you do that with all good faith and all good conscience. That, that that you know, if you don't hear that firsthand, I don't know how you put that out there. Um, it's one of those. It's a it's a person that we all roll our eyes at in the marketplace, but he put it out there, and you know, uh, you know, it, it, unless you get something firsthand, you just you can't even dive into that territory unless you're a clown. Richard uh, Skinner here, WKRC TV, Cincinnati, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook here, 93.5, The Fan. Richard, in terms of spectators last night, this is the social media age. They were learning what we were learning, and it was powerful to see just the shots of the fans. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, did not receive camera time as all of this was transpiring. Wide shots of Paycor Stadium. Uh, once the players had cleared the field, all that was left were essentially Bengals supporters and those that had made the trip from Buffalo. The atmosphere and the feeling that you took getting, I assume, to walk out of the tunnel and take a look at the field, how do you describe the moments after Demar Hamlin was rushed off the field. Yeah, my daughter actually is a season ticket holder. Her and her husband, and, and so she was, you know, texting me during during some of that just to, to let me know what she was feeling and seeing and all those things. It was it was just so so quiet. That was the part that struck. He had a couple of I think he had one altercation way across the way from where the press box was. Um, I don't know what transpired, but it, but yeah, security took a fan out. Who knows what they were saying with each other, but. Uh, you heard a couple of people yelling stupid things, but for the most part, the overwhelming part of 66,000 fans was just quiet, knowing the severity of the moment. And, um, you know, once the two teams left the field, I think fully understanding that any time now they're going to, to postpone this game. Um, and so it was probably 45 minutes, I think, somewhere along those lines after DeMar Hamlin and the ambulance left. Um, they sent the teams to the locker room, and then the NFL officially um, opted to suspend the game. And at that point, um, like I said, we were downstairs. By the time I came back up to the press box, um, most of the stadium was was emptying at that point and emptied. So I think fans fully understood it, um, knew the gravity of the moment, um, took it with the, for the reverence that they needed to take it with and, sure. and kind of moved on with their night. Richard, we've obviously seen statements from both the Hamlin family, both from the Bengals, both from the Bills. Obviously, you haven't with the Hamlin family, but have you had any opportunity at all to have any conversations with any reps from either of those teams in terms of just how everybody is is processing all this? Or are you just going off of, uh, in general, the, like us, just waiting as these statements come out? Yeah, just waiting. In fact, I was talking to another reporter about 45 minutes ago uh, about waiting to see when Mike Brown was going to issue a statement as we were on the phone, he, he issued that statement. So, um, yeah, I think that's where we're at with this. I mean, they've shut down. The, the Today is technically an off day in the NFL anyway. Um, uh, some teams, I, mean, I think Jacksonville, Kansas City, Tennessee, and, and uh, the Raiders, I think, are practicing today because they're playing on Saturday. But today right. is technically an off day across the NFL, and media, media doesn't have access. And so I think we're in that, that same boat. Um, certainly tomorrow when they reopen the facility, um, you know, at that point, you need to know, is this game being replayed? Is this game never going to be played? Are they playing any games at all this weekend? Are they playing um, – are they prepared? Because, you know, and again, and we're, we're, everybody's thoughts are with DeMar Hamlin first and foremost, but this is also game planning day in the NFL for coaching staffs. 
Um, so are the Bengals and Bills game planning for opponents for this weekend? Are they regame planning for each other? I think the NFL has to make a, a decision on this fairly quickly. Um, and that's the other thing we're kind of waiting for is what do they do with this game if, you know, and to declare it a no contest, move it around, um, you know, cancel games this weekend, move them back a week, move the playoffs back a week, and let the Bengals and Bills replay themselves, you know, this coming yeah. weekend or Monday or Tuesday. I think then some of it is you're also – if Demar Hamlin tragically passes, then then what does Buffalo do with the rest of their season? There, there's so much up in the air, but you know the NFL has to make a decision on this fairly quickly, to be quite frank. Skinny, appreciate you surveying that because I know it's 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 just impossible to do, and it's a no-win situation. The only way this comes out as you know a, a winner is with the health of DeMar Hamlin and really everything else. I know we can all nod in agreement today, not only here in Indianapolis, but everyone in Cincinnati, everyone in Buffalo, who cares what they do with the game? And if you're going to allow yourself to be lose your emotions and lose control of your emotions, then you've learned nothing from what just happened last night right. and what everyone who wears a Bills logo, a Bengals logo, and quite frankly... Anyone who wears a logo of an NFL team, the Colts were supposed to talk today. Their coordinators, Matt Conti and his award-winning team, public relations here in Indianapolis, said out of respect for this situation with Hamlin, we aren't talking today. There's nothing to say. There is no, there is nothing to add about anything that's going on in the NFL right now than the health of this 24-year-old young man who... We we are all praying sees his 25th birthday here in March. Richard Skinner, WKRC. Skinny, we'll be thinking about you and everyone who did a fantastic job last night stepping up and making journalists proud across the country. Um, certainly hoping for a great update before we're off the air today. Have a great rest of your week and hang in there, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. It's Richard Skinner of WKRC in Cincinnati, Bengals beat reporter at Paycor Stadium. Jimmy, it it was a unifying moment anywhere if you were tuning in and seeing how fans, as you mentioned earlier, not only at the stadium but leaving the stadium, we will begin to learn more and more stories of, I think, Bengals fans coming to the aid of Bills fans last night. You're in an out-of-town city. You probably came here, spent a ton of money to do a hotel, do tickets, go out, have a great time, and suddenly you feel probably pretty lonely and alone walking around downtown Cincinnati, leaving that stadium. And for those that took the time and took the that had the thought of, hey, I don't know this person. I'm never going to see them again, but I'm going to go up and make sure they're okay and make sure they know, you know, you're you're in foreign territory here, but I, I would love, and I can't wait, wait to read some of those stories that come out from this because ultimately that will change someone's life who went to that game last night and to know that, hey, this is the power of humanity when... Just because we're wearing different colored jerseys, you know, someone someone had the thought and someone took the time to come check on me. You know, that that is something that will pay itself forward in some form or fashion. Um again, we're trying to do this justice. And, you know, you you shared the great stories of the college decision. For those of us who are just joining us here on the fan, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, Damar Hamlin, I a young man who who had the ability to go anywhere in college, Jimmy, 
And he made a unique choice. If you can revisit that story, yeah, I mean, he ultimately had offers from a number of different places, but but in the in the stories that have been highlighted by ESPN a number of different outlets, Ohio State and Penn State were up there, and and he ultimately wanted to stay at Pitt, and he wanted to be a inspiration to everybody in his community, young adults that that want an opportunity to be able to, or not young adults, but young children that want to grow into young adults that know that there's a stronger tomorrow. There's opportunities right in your backyard. And we stressed it earlier in the show, Charlie, that like to be a high school kid and have that foresight and that understanding that, look, I've, I've been blessed with these God-given talents and I've also worked my butt off to get in this position to be a, a covenant yeah, Nothing was given across, to DeMar right, Hamlin. Right, right. But, nothing. But, and, and to be able to work and strive for that opportunity to be coveted by so many different D1 programs and to choose to stay home to have that level of just cognitive awareness of the moment and the impact of what your decision could mean to local kids in your community just speaks volumes to the level of maturity and the level of just awareness of the moment that he had even as a high schooler and even now with how active he is in, in the chasing M's toy drive that him and his mother started, uh, I think the last push notification I got said up to $3.8 million now. That is another human interest and human element story of this, of, of people coming together and, and rallying around a cause when our fellow man in this instance is in a situation fighting for his life. And we want in every instance this to have a happy ending. That's all we're praying for right now. And hopefully when that happens, again, the stories that are, are, are that you're interested in that I am too, they're going to be endless because this is a moment in NFL history that's going to be, and it will, it, this will be a moment that's remembered by everybody that's there. And yeah. this will be a moment of a lot of things in terms of how the NFL evaluates protocol and communication are going to be impacted by not the fallout from last night, but the way everything was handled and the for pace good, that it for was good handled. reason, right? Because right. you know some of the the smartest minds in sports, uh, you know, are flocking to the NFL for good reason. It is it is the show. It was Monday Night Football, um, and I'm with you, Jimmy. It's it's a you know you can kind of smirk in in and feel good about the unity that. You continue to see and continue to feel. It is why you listen to this station. It is why we all go to games. It is why you love teams. And it's why you're inspired by those who put their lives on the line. And in tragic circumstances like this, we're, we are reminded that, you know, this <laughs> that is a decision you make when you chase that profession. Again, the update. Tamar Hamlin remains in critical condition in Cincinnati. A contingent from the Bills organization is with him, along with his family. Uh, the remainder of the Bills left late last night. Cincinnati returned to Buffalo. And we'll continue to monitor this story at 1.30. The voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde, will join us and certainly give his perspective of what is now you know, an evolving story, but also from his seat in the booth, handling circumstances like that and how things played out 
from his microphone. This is The Fan, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, 93-5, The Fan. The Pacers have won four straight. The Colts have more decisions to make ahead of the regular season finale. We will touch on what matters Sunday against the Texans. We'll also take a look at a lineup change for IU. It's as the Hoosiers tip off their Big Ten season at Iowa Thursday. Plus, Jimmy Cook's thoughts on what went wrong for number one Purdue. Rutgers stuns Matt Painter again. Who's at fault for the Boilers' first loss of the season? We're back on The Fan after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook and Charlie Clifford coming to you on a Tuesday. For those of you just joining us, the biggest story in the sports world today, in case you missed it last night on Monday Night Football, Buffalo safety DeMar Hamlin going into cardiac arrest last night about midway through the first quarter of Bengals-Bills last night, uh, listed as in critical condition at the Cincinnati Hospital. We've had statements from both his family, from the Bengals, from the Bills. Uh, No major updates to it at this point in time in terms of his status. But of course, if we have those for you throughout today's show, uh, we will bring them to you as the fan will all day long. I have JMV, of course, coming up in the three to six slot here on the fan. Um, As we pivot a little bit more local, in terms of the sports world. And again, I know, Charlie, we've joked about it uh, a little bit going into the show. It, it all feels silly, but it's still it's still sports and it's still distractions aren't necessary at a time like this. Yes. So as we pivot to last night, want to focus first, we already did the Pacers a little bit on the Boilermakers. For whatever reason, and it's not just Purdue, because Indiana has been the victim <laughs> of the Scarlet Knight sword as well. Rutgers continues to rip out the confidence in the hearts of basketball fans in the state. Jimmy Doug Bowles needs to bring Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We need to have a hexing of <laughs> Rutgers dominance on the basketball court over IU and Purdue. To your point, it was a tale of two nights last night tied up in another impressive performance from Rick Carlisle's team. We're going to continue to talk about why this Pacers team has been able to put it together as they go off to see the Sixers and what will be another playoff atmosphere in Philadelphia. But yeah, last night it's it's Pacers and Purdue and then this horrific scene with DeMar Hamlin will continue to share the stories of why DeMar Hamlin is, is an incredible person and why our prayers and any updates. Again, Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals, is going to join us at 1.30. Please join us for that conversation. But... Purdue, on a much lighter note, on a much more, uh, you know, look, this is an undefeated team. No one expected Purdue to be 13-0, Jimmy. Zach Eady has been unstoppable from the tip last night at Mackey Arena. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights, the physicality and the way they handled Zach Eady, it was the best any team has done it. Not Duke, not Gonzaga, not West Virginia, not Marquette. They had a plan And the major question for me, as the calendar turned and as Big Ten season tipped off, was what are Purdue's guards going to be able to bring to the table, knowing Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, two standout players, two players of intense character, 
who are not willing to back down to anyone. Braden Smith was guarding someone twice his size yesterday. Um, 10-point lead at halftime. Purdue plays better in the second half. But that last possession where Spencer loses Ethan Morton, Ethan Morton kind of helping down on Braden Smith. Again, the defensive concerns with being a little undersized in your backcourt. Ethan Morton, who is the glue guy for the Boilers, he's going to run around, he's going to scrap. His box score is going to be like 4-4-5 and every night. But he makes a difference. He loses Spencer for a heartbeat. And for me, that was the one guy you couldn't lose. Spencer was, I think, six of seven from the floor. Shot fake, step in dribble, straightaway three, ball game. What a what a statement from a Rutgers team that, as the great Derek Schultz would say, Rutger, you know, no longer the punching bag. They've gone in and they've bullied Purdue off the number one seed two consecutive years. To do that in Mackey, no one does that in Mackey, Jimmy. No one. Steve Peichel does. Steve Peichel is continues to have his scarlet knights ready to roll, never backing down from anybody, regardless of who it is. They hadn't beaten a number one team in school history prior to last year. They've done it twice now to Purdue last year in their building. This year over at Mackey, um, my only I'm not necessarily worried about Purdue, but my only takeaway from last night down the stretch, in particular those last two possessions. Maybe not the one that got the three-pointer, but I... Fletcher Warrior had a big shot. I, I did. A I, I would have been okay with their last real offensive possession, Zach Eady being selfish and trying to work through the double and draw a foul. But I also understand that's not really how Matt Painter's teams are. They're unselfish. They like to get... And it was a clean look. They got a clean look at three. Just didn't fall for them. A lot to learn for the Boilers, but again, your season doesn't end today. So miss miss nine free throws, yep. uh, thirteen turnovers. You lose that department. We're saying, oh gosh, you know, Edie, they did a nice job. Nineteen and eleven, six of ten from the floor. He continues to be the most efficient scorer in college basketball, the top rebounder in college basketball. And I've said it before, Jimmy Zach Edie, for my money, is the most intelligent player in college basketball. He has to assume when he's catching the ball, there are at least two, maybe three defenders coming his way. Uh, We talked about IU. There is a lineup change coming. The Pacers are going to Philadelphia. The Colts have some individual impressive things within reach Sunday, but most importantly, what can change in the draft order? And how do you feel about day two of now Jim Harbaugh watch after the report from The Athletic yesterday? Those stories next on the fan, 93.5-1075, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. We're back after this. Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What's going on? Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook in on the fan this afternoon. We heard from Richard Skinner, WKRC TV, Cincinnati at 1230. Skinny really giving us proper perspective of the weight of the emotion inside Paycor Stadium last night as DeMar Hamlin, second year safety for the Buffalo Bills, is involved in the most polarizing, tragic scene we've seen on a national football field. CPR for nine minutes on the field after collapsing in the first quarter, rushed the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. He remains in a level one trauma center under 
critical condition as we continue to see all the vigils outside the hospital continue to grow. We see the GoFundMe on his philanthropic page continue to grow over $4 million in just over 12 hours time. DeMar Hamlin, we've touched on from Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh native, Central Catholic high school teammate of Colts safety, Rodney Thomas II. As we've mentioned, first and foremost, all of our energy and prayers going to this 24-year-old who will turn 25, God willing, in March. And we are awaiting a positive update here. Also for all of those Bills, Bengals, NFL players, certainly Rodney Thomas II and anyone who DeMar Hamlin has touched over his life, it is very clear as we've begun to uncover the incredible impact he's made on people. DeMar Hamlin, above all else, loves people. He stayed home, went to Pittsburgh, turned down scholarship offers to the biggest programs in college football to be a mentor to his younger brother, a mentor he feel he felt like he didn't have growing up, a mentor many in his neighborhood that had he left the area, you can only do so much posting on Instagram, putting up your highlights, coming home once in a while on breaks. No, I want to stay at home. I want to have an impact. I want to be a life changer for people that have grown up around me. That is the decision he made at 18 and decisions he has quietly made behind the scenes, rising the ranks as a star at Pittsburgh defensively and then becoming a player who didn't play for the Bills last year and had started 13 games this season, the second leading tackler on the team, DeMar Hamlin. We are thinking about you and praying for a positive update this afternoon. Jimmy Cook with us here. Jimmy, we are really just kind of smiling in knowing proper perspective of all the troubles the Colts have had on the field, of all the energy we've expunged over what's gone wrong and who's at fault and what changes need to be made and how big of a disappointment this has been. And then something like last night happens and you are reset. I know 99.9% of you are reset into thinking, you know what? This ain't worth losing sleep over. This isn't worth getting into a physical altercation in the stands on Sundays at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's not worth not texting somebody for three months and losing friendships over. That's ludicrous. Come on. Wake up. A reminder that our time here is not is not infinite. Use your words. Use your time wisely. Treat those relationships that you prioritize with the utmost interest and the utmost passion in your life. And, and that moves us to the lighter discussion now. And quite honestly, a fun debate on a very heavy day in the National Football League that, look, Jimmy, as the next two weeks unfold here in Indianapolis, Jim Harbaugh becoming the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts appears to be paramount in the majority of this fan base's mind. If you're Jim Harbaugh, and as your representatives, what seems very clear at this point, are floating his interest to not only this opening, but there have been reports out of Carolina that Jim Harbaugh really likes the makeup of that organization. Surely Denver, from a perspective that there is a new ownership group that is trying to get it right with Russell Wilson. Arizona will likely have an opening next week. New Orleans could join that list. Who knows how Houston moves forward? 
with the anticipation of Bryce Young's arrival with the number one overall pick. If you're Jim Harbaugh and you're meeting with your inner circle, how do you weigh each of these opportunities, Jimmy? So there's a little bit of bias here for me. I, I wouldn't go to Denver. I think that that boat, in terms of what Russell Wilson can be with where that contract is at and how it strickens you against the cap, I, I don't know that I would go there. And explain to folks what we know about that monetary situation because there there will be no breakup with Russell Wilson unless a team steps yeah. forward via trade this offseason, which will not happen, No, which we can make that clear this afternoon on January 3rd. You can't cut him because if you cut him this offseason, you would take a cap hit of about $104 million, $112 million, something like that. And I know we sometimes casually throw numbers out there of like, oh, it's sports. That's crazy. That that That's basically everything that's basically you're not you're not making any other acquisitions that offseason like you're <laughs> no. you're you're as handcuffed as handcuffed can be so they're not they're not moving on from him uh his cap hit is 107 million in 2023 85 million in 2024 49 million in 2025 and then there's a potential out there with a with a cap hit of 31 million in 2026 russell wilson hang on a is second the quarterback. 31 million yes in 2026. If you want a reasonable number and a reasonable number from a sports perspective to stomach, it's a $12 million cap hit in 2027 when he's 39 years old. You are married to Russell Wilson for the next uh, four years at, at minimum. So unless he thinks, yeah, hey, I can fix Russell Wilson, I'm not going to Denver. I'm going to a place where I have as much control as possible, where I'm not hampered by, by, a, by a horrendous contract you bring up a key word there is the word control and personnel decisions and And he needs to get along with the gm because that was the issue in that was the issue in san francisco right that was the rumored issue when he left san francisco was he i believe he he went publicly saying i should receive a medal for putting up with these people (laughs) for this long of time and by the way if you're the colts again i don't want anybody to lose their job you go get jim harbaugh I don't care if that means you have to thank Chris Ballard for his time and and send him out the door with where this franchise is. And even if they get Harbaugh, this is still a team that is going to be, if you want to use retool or rebuild, whatever you want to use, this is still a team that is going to be navigating. Like if they, if they made the playoffs or won the division the next two years, barring a total roster overhaul, I'd be really surprised. This is a two to three year rebuild for me with where they want to be as a franchise to reset and be back in, not just, oh, we won the South type of conversation, but we are a legitimate threat in the AFC. And that's if they do everything right. There's no guarantee it's two to three years, but you want somebody that can have their fingerprints all over this and guide you through that process. You go get Jim Harbaugh. You don't think twice about it. Will he come here? I don't know, but you go get him. Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, Charlie Clifford with you on the fan. Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals, is going to join us at 1.30 as we continue to learn more about DeMar Hamlin, Bill's safety, who remains in critical condition in Cincinnati. Jimmy, Eddie, on the Jim Harbaugh front, whoever it is, whoever is hired, and I believe the case is closed on Jeff Saturday. That will not happen. I do not see a scenario where that can happen. And you're putting up your finger as to say, hold on. Because there's the pessimist in me. The way, and you can't read into what Jim Irsay says, but at some point you have to take into account that he's the owner of the team. I can't get a grasp because of how unpredictable 
Jim Irsay can be at times if he's just speaking nicely about Jeff Saturday because of who Jeff Saturday is as a person, which that's definitely some of it. But how legitimate is his candidacy going to be as a coach? Because until they actually hire somebody different, Charlie, in the back of my mind, and I'm sure in the back of Colts fans' minds, you can't just put your head on the pillow and sleep easy that there's no shot he's the head coach next year. What is fact is Jim Irsay had a vision of Jeff Saturday coaching. The last thing Jim Irsay would do is anything to tarnish that era of Colts and someone like Jeff Saturday, who as a human being, as a leader, as a player, as a husband, as a father, he is at the top of Jim Irsay's power rankings. And no doubt. I go back to the statement that he said in the very bizarre press conference. <laughs> Which one? You know, the one where Jeff was introduced <laughs> and Chris Ballard looked like he was contemplating walking out the side door of the Colts complex and just leaving. Um, number one, he wasn't going to put his best fighter in the ring to get knocked out. You can do your play on words now that it looks like this team could very well be one in seven this time next week under the interim reign of Jeff Saturday. Go ahead. Throw your jabs. It's easy. But this, in my opinion, was not a secret tanking operation to land C.J. Stroud or whomever at quarterback to move forward. Surely you know that in the back of your mind. But back to Jim Harbaugh, you know, his... You brought up a great point. The relationship with Chris Ballard, who I believe will be retained here. I think Jim Irsay, time and time again, going on the record, would do himself no good to now walk that back. He said it two weeks ago. What has really changed in the last two weeks? You go and lose another game. You could win or lose against the Texans. I I don't see that changing at this point. So... If Harbaugh said it's me or Ballard, what would you do if you were Ursay? Because well, I would, I would, I would be. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the man in the ring of honor. I'm going to go with the guy that, in his four year sample size, is a very high track record. I'm sorry, Chris, but business is business. Eddie, what would you do? Personally, I'm not a big Harbaugh guy. I, I'm just not. I just. Uh, but if if given Ballard or Harbaugh is my question, I know Jim would probably lean Jim Harbaugh because I think he's got more say with Jim than Ballard. At this point, I believe that Jim Harbaugh and Chris Ballard would have no issue with each other. Those two sitting together. I'm fine with that scenario. Sure. Knowing, look, Chris Ballard at no point in his career, and he's admitted this, he has a very hard time, an impossible time actually, you know, giving up on people, on players. You've seen that with Paris Campbell. You've seen that with him keeping Adam Vinatieri around late. Uh, for better or for worse, he his conviction, uh, you know, not many people are going to take that out of Chris Ballard. I think Jim Harbaugh would respect that, and I think those two leaving an, emission, an initial meeting, I don't think Jim Harbaugh would have reservations of working with Chris Ballard. I think his intensity and knowing that, hey, I know I have a GM who has everything on the line. You know, I didn't get along with the people in the 49ers. Maybe they didn't rise to the level that Harbaugh brought to the table. Let's face it. The knock on Jim Harbaugh has been, you know, he has taken things over the top. And that ultimately, despite his incredible record with the 49ers, that was what showed him the door. People could not match that intensity. 
enough votes were cast inside the highest room in San Francisco to move him out. I think that I think that could potentially work. And I don't think it will be a situation. We talked about it yesterday. Last year, the same story played out, Jimmy. He goes out, interviews for the Vikings. Reports were he flew to Minneapolis saying, I'm taking this job. That's it's why done. I'm skeptical about it to begin with, right? That's why I asked you off air, because I was obviously reading it, but I was off yesterday, so I'm just you know, kind of taking it in my, in my, at my leisure. And that's why I asked for clarification from you off the air is every year we kind of do this thing, at least the last three years and especially last year of Jim Harbaugh made it to two NFC championship games, made it to a Super right. Bowl. Because a couple of years before, it was like, he's going to get fired at Michigan. Right. And, 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 and now it's the opposite. Right. He has the leverage. You, he, he knows he's won. He, he, he goes third uh, in the East in 2019, losing the Citrus Bowl, fifth in the East in 2020 during the pandemic. I mean, how many season. losses in a row to OSU? Right. And, and then the last two years, it, he's got the, I don't want to say Boom. got the mojo back, but, but, but he's, They've reestablished stock, themselves as the dominant team. His in Big stock 10. can't be higher. Yes, it cannot. It doesn't matter if he would have won that game and won the national title. I don't think that really, you know, I don't think that changes. He, he has the track record. He's done it back to back years. And now he has a decision to make. And even though there hasn't been a lot of trophies lifted during his coaching tenure, like legitimate we're top of the mountain trophies. Right. NFC title it, is the it, number one bullet point on his resume. I it, won right. the NFC And that's the only big game he's won, even in college. He hasn't won a bowl game. If I'm a Colts fan, though, Since like I got to I got, I got to be honest, okay? And this is the guy that, again, roots for a team Thank you, and roots for two teams that are always in championship consideration. I would take going there and being back in that conversation and having a shot at it versus where the Colts are now. That's not a reason for me to have full pause on bringing in Jim Harbaugh as well. They have these great records, but they always lose in the NFC Championship game. Okay, if that happens over a stretch and you want to part ways, that's fine. Colts are outside of the defense, which even then maybe you can make the argument now the last couple weeks. They're kind of a dumpster fire. I would take stability and take that with the proper lens, though. Of that was the unit right. that kept this team uh, again, alive. I'm only for saying days. that because yeah. now their legs have fallen yeah. out, and is oh, that the entirely their fault? Yeah. No, the, the numbers will make them look like a very average unit, and they now. weren't. And, no. and we, and we right. stressed that for the last right. couple of weeks on this show that the defense has been the backbone of this team. Yeah. So I'm not fully trying to run them over right now, but as the season continues to fall out, and we have an extra game, and we're continuing to drag out what is this Colts just struggle bus to the finish line you start to look at it and you're like okay I want stability I want a head coach that can establish a baseline of growth for this team moving forward so that if your biggest problem as an organization is oh, we make it to the NFC championship game twice in the Super Bowl in a span of three years <laughs> if that's your biggest worry I'll take those worries that's not here now we're not even in the parking lot of those type of worries as a fan base as a franchise as a city we're just not Everybody in Indy, you need to know this. Captain Comeback is Captain Job Candidate right now. And you are not the only option for him. And that will make the next week to 10 days extremely interesting. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has the leverage. And who is willing to come to the table and meet every last one of his stipulations about how he thinks the organization, the team, and the offense should be run, quite frankly, if you say you have ideas in Indianapolis and you already work here, I'm sorry, but you have nothing to stand on. So right. you are probably going to be meeting those demands and 
giving Jim Harbaugh the most power he's had as a head coach in the National Football League. That if, if he winds up here, that will be the situation this winter leading into the spring. Regardless of if he ends up here or not, do you think it's legit this time? Because I continue to oh, get Boy Who Cried Wolf vibes because of it's the it. past it's where it. all these rumors always fall. Jim Harbaugh, a Lombardi trophy, you know, being handed to him. That is what he has left to do. Last year, you know, to to second to, to put back to back runs together, it, it's time. It's time for him. There is still time, and that's what's most important for Jim Harbaugh. This is he thought surely two years ago, even he had to think the door has closed on me in the NFL. I cannot even put a team together to compete for an East championship at Michigan, and now for it to turn this quickly, now is the time. I like to bring up this argument as well. With the, with the route of a defensive-minded head coach like a Jim Harbaugh, you're getting that, you're seeing that effect now in Buffalo a little bit. No Brian Dayball. So when you go the defensive-minded head coaching route and your offense has success, more times than not, that offensive coordinator is going to get poached. And if you have a young quarterback who is on the tra- is on that trajectory of becoming a superstar, and you remove the main guy who's been the main guy who's helped him improve from season to season, uh, and over the course of their young career, then you have that to worry about as well. That's kind of the other aspect to this that I'm thinking about. If you go the defensive-minded route with a Jim Harbaugh, I don't disagree with you, but you also have to. If which Harbaugh is, if he's as qualified as any candidate could be, that an offensive coordinator, it's a, it's a, it is a, it's a rational fear, but it can't be a fear that prevents you from making that hire. You just have to understand that correct. You're going to have to be equipped to fill that role potentially. It doesn't always happen. I mean, look at Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City, right? He's been there five years now, and he hasn't gotten a head coaching opportunity. So, but it's a it's a real fear. It's just Eddie, and I don't think you're saying this. It shouldn't be one that makes you say, "I can't bring in Jim Harbaugh because I might have to replace my OC every no, no, other no, year." No, I'm just saying that's also something to yeah, like yeah, play. it's yeah. on the table for sure. Fellas, we'll continue to monitor this Harbaugh story. Brad Galley out of Detroit, who's done a weekly interview from the ABC affiliate in Detroit with Jim Harbaugh for the last five or six seasons. It's really a nice glimpse into the unique person he is behind the scenes. Uh, Those stories are obviously endless, but no one in Detroit has had more access to Jim Harbaugh over the past handful of years than Brad Galley. He will join us tomorrow to really give us a sense of what is it like around Jim Harbaugh every day. And, Jimmy, go ahead. I'm here. sorry for doing the finger point. So, yeah. so because I've done this two, three times yeah. now. Uh, uh, Joe Person um, of the Athletic, who covers the Panthers, uh, and Will Kunkel of Fox apparently had this first. But Panthers owner David Tepper has talked with Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh about the Panthers head coaching vacancy. Yeah. A league source confirmed that was something yesterday, at least from Pro Football Talk from the Athletic. Nobody from the Colts or the Panthers had reached out officially to this point. That's now at least out in the wind by two sources that the Panthers have now at least had initial conversations regarding Harbaugh. There's still one more game to go here. Sunday, Texans, 1 o'clock. The Texans win, and the Bears somehow uh, lose. I should say, Texans win, Bears loss. That moves Chicago to the number one seed, or the number one draft pick, excuse me, Um, which would completely change everything, potentially knowing you, you have a team 
that may move out of that number one slot if the price is right. We got into that yesterday. Jimmy, a quick thought on what you expect from Sam Ellinger, what, if anything, matters Sunday. I am in the camp of it's too little, too late. There is no way in Sam Ellinger's exit meeting with the Colts this year, which will happen this time next week, you're going to be able to look him in the eye and say, we trust you as, at minimum, the backup quarterback next year. Feel good that, at worst, you will be the number two, uh, depending on how this shakes out at number one. I Unfortunately, you have not given yourself or Sam that chance because of the decision to go back to Nick Foles the past two weeks. We certainly hope Nick Foles is feeling better. That was brutal. Um, and just what a nightmare season for Nick Foles, who, let's face it, since he left Philadelphia, it's been pretty rocky for Nick Foles. We've gotten in. He's made it $86 million. He's going to turn 34. Does he hang it up after this year? He's under contract next year. Matt Ryan's future will be the first domino to be decided this offseason. Uh, how is that handled? Sunday, Zaire Franklin, two tackles away from the single-season record. Certainly, folks want to see Jelani Woods have a nice game out. Pierce, some of the young pieces. Would you expect starters to play first couple series and then some rotations to begin? How would you handle this if you're Jeff Saturday, Jimmy? Because it's a question you have to answer. It is. Look, he's going to handle it, I think, like he has the last, or like he at least says he has, since November 13th. We're trying to win. We're trying to win, and he is auditioning for a head coaching role. Um, Does I that don't, mean you're looking at DeForest Buckner and say, hey, I need I need four quarters out of you? I, I mean, if I'm DeForest Buckner, I'm be like, listen, bro, we're going to have to revisit that after kickoff. Look, it, everybody that suits up, whether you are a second unit guy, whether you are a starter, and we've stressed this the last couple of weeks, and Charlie, I know you've said the same thing um, on your front at Wish, Everybody's fighting for their jobs, their livelihoods. There are no snaps off in this league, regardless of where your standing is as a collective unit, as an individual. And we often try not to individualize. We like to talk about the team. But as an individual in this league, there's tape of everything. You cannot afford to mail in no. over these last three no. or four weeks any of these snaps, any of these reps. What am I focusing? I, look, Eddie will vouch for me on this if he wants and I'll even fine-tune it to the Steelers game. But I was saying it before then. The boat on this season, it sailed. Get me to the finish line. This team is not capable of putting up enough points to really hang with anybody on offense. They obviously put up defense special teams point points a game. against the Vikings. Better than that, yeah, about 16 points You're a game. You're going to need the 0-1 Ravens defense to, right. to turn that into a 500 record. I, I'm, I'm at this point. Everybody stay healthy. Get through the game. Let's look at the 2023 draft officially, officially, even though we've all already been doing it. I, I, I want health. Keep doing what you're doing from a fan perspective. Yes, lose this game from a organization standpoint. No one lays down in the NFL. I'm just going to watch, observe, see how Ellinger looks. 
and go from there. Uh, I got a couple pieces of news for you. All right. Uh, this is from Ari Myrov. I think I'm saying his last name correctly. Yeah. He said the NFL says Bengals' bills will not be resumed this week. Uh, and the Buffalo Bills, just about four minutes ago, they put out a tweet saying, Damar Hamlin spent last night in the intensive care unit and remains there today in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. They are grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support uh, they have received within the last 10 hours or so. Eddie Garrison, thank you very much. We will continue this story. Damar Hamlin joining us next. Voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde on 93.5-1075. The fan, Jimmy Cook, Charlie Clifford, Eddie Garrison. Dan Horde joins us next. Indy, welcome. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Back, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. We continue to monitor any updates coming out of Cincinnati. Tamar Hamlin, Bill safety in the most horrifying event we've seen on a national football stage. Uh, certainly with the technology we have this day and age, Tamar Hamlin remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, intensive care unit last night. He remains there. That was the update just minutes ago from the Buffalo Bills. The NFL just sharing that the Bills-Bengals game will not be played this week. There has been no decision about how it may be handled going forward. The league in Week 18, uh, no, no impact to Week 18 scheduling it's secondary. Really doesn't matter. We've shared a few stories of DeMar Hamlin, the person he is, the inspiration he has been in the Pittsburgh community, in the Buffalo community, and certainly for all those across the country who watched last night and who continue to come together in prayer uh, for this young 24-year-old with so much more still to give here on earth. Dan Horde, voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, joins us now. Dan, you're above Paycor Field last night uh, with a script that is a dream for any play-by-play announcer, a franchise that has come out of nowhere over the past two years, that has electrified a city that, quite honestly, was dormant in terms of NFL excitement for decades against what has also been one of the easiest stories to cheer for in Buffalo, another fan base that has been waiting for its moment uh, the anticipation for the game last night, what transpired in the first quarter, and then ultimately what you were looking and trying to sort out from your seat. Please bring us to that moment when medical professionals rushed to save DeMar Hamlin's life in the first quarter. Well, Charlie, unfortunately, anybody that's watched a lot of football has seen gruesome injuries, and I've seen my share, but... I never anticipated seeing a player receive CPR on the field. As soon as DeMar Hamlin went down, anybody that was close to him began waving frantically for medical personnel. My initial thought was maybe it was a gruesome bone break or something of that 
nature, or maybe he wasn't moving. And then from our vantage point, the players had surrounded him, so it was difficult to see. But you could see somebody from the medical team giving him chest compressions, and then you knew that this was a matter of life and death. And uh, unfortunately, it's hard to uh, put that image out of your mind. I think anybody that was at that stadium is going to remember the just the pall that was cast over the stadium as that was going on. It was an electric atmosphere at the beginning of the game, but that changed in a moment's notice. And now we're all just hoping to get positive news about DeMar Hamlin and hope that he continues to recover. You and your partner, Dave Lapham, who have continued to be great storytellers, to be the the eyes and ears of what's been such a great story in Cincinnati over the past two years. You're looking at each other, trying to find the right words, Dan. How did you find some peace last night and find a path to ultimately share this story as countless people were driving around listening and probably pulling off the road to, to to listen what you were sharing with the city last night. Please give us some perspective on how you handled that. We weren't getting a lot of information, and I'm not sure there was a lot of information to share as the medical team fought to save DeMar Hamlin. So basically, all we could do was... Uh, watch what we were seeing in front of us and try to describe it as vividly as possible. I had binoculars. Um, I was, again, just focused on the scene and trying to be as descriptive as I could be, not only in how they were attending to DeMar, but how the players were reacting, how the coaches were reacting, how the fans were reacting. Uh, what I did not do is speculate. Sure, uh, There was a lot of... Texts were coming into our booths. Right. Some were accurate. Many weren't. There's a lot of stuff on social media. People were holding up their phones in the booth, and I really more or less ignored that uh, until it came from a credible source. I didn't want to say it on the radio, and I think under those circumstances, that's pretty much all you can do. Dan, when you look back on that broadcast itself and how you guys navigated through everything, obviously, DeMar is the story, but in terms of the the hours that followed, what will be the most ingrained moment of all that as you take away, obviously very still raw, uh, just 12 hours removed from it? I think the scene of the Buffalo players forming a semicircle around their fallen teammate and facing in the opposite direction. Hmm. I'll never get that image out of my mind. Hmm. So shaken that they couldn't even watch as the medical team was attending to their fallen brother. Uh, that was a, a moment that, uh, unfortunately, I will never be able to forget. Dan, um, as the broadcast continues, certainly we were glued to ESPN's coverage. H- how did things evolve on your end? You're, I'm sure, gazing into the stands trying to pick up illustrations to share. How did you as a radio network handle really as as the night continued, the game went from suspended to postponed. The bills ultimately leave the stadium. We saw Stefan Diggs head to the hospital along with the contingent from the organization. Bring us into your seat from that perspective, the rest of the night. Well, in our booth, we have monitors to be able to watch the 
the telecast of the game. Normally, you would use that to comment on replays. So every now and again, I would peek at the TV monitor, and it seemed like for most of that time period, they went back to Bristol. And unfortunately, uh, we were not able to you know, take advantage of uh, right. cameras that were able to show us a, a better view. So as I described earlier, I was looking through binoculars and just trying to be factual and descriptive. Uh, my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, played in the NFL for 10 years. He's been broadcasting Bengals games for more than 30. So I thought he offered a great perspective on what it's like for a player under somewhat similar circumstances. Certainly he played in games where players went down with serious injuries. Right. Nothing quite like that. Uh, but he was able to share what goes through a player's mind when that happens. And then uh, the third member of our broadcast crew, Wayne Box Miller, who hosts pregame and postgame shows, was able to provide his perspective as well. So as I described, you're really just trying to, to stick to the facts be as descriptive as you can possibly be, Right. Uh, be empathetic, be compassionate, understand that you, you don't really know who exactly who might be listening. There could be family members uh, that, that came to the game that are traveling to the hospital. So uh, you certainly don't want to say anything that is incorrect, uh, that is too dire, that is too hopeful. You just try to... Uh, Describe what you're seeing and pass along any credible information that you receive. The radio voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde, kind enough kind enough to join us after what was an indescribable night. Uh, Dan, again, we appreciate your time. I'm sure you've been flooded with requests to share what you saw and, and what you're feeling. If you have a message to Zach Taylor and the organization that you work for and cover, um, I saw it multiple times last night, comments of, man, getting to that Super Bowl last year, everything Zach Taylor did, bringing the footballs to local watering holes after the big wins. You know, he he has such a down-to-earth, good grip, I think, on life, which is, you know, not always the case when your job requires and the stress that 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 is put on NFL coaches with Zach Taylor crossing the 50-yard line and very clearly making it known to Sean McDermott that he, too, had no interest in continuing the game last night, what would you tell your fan base and fans across the NFL about that man and your organization? We're lucky to have him. I think Zach Taylor's uh, level of compassion under those circumstances uh, was amazing. And the fact that he went to the hospital to check on DeMar Hamlin after the game. That, to me, I get choked up just thinking about that. Um, he's a great man. Obviously, he's done a phenomenal job of coaching this team, and that's uh, that's important. But nothing compares to the actions that a person demonstrates under circumstances like that. And Zach Taylor showed his character uh, under the most difficult circumstances that uh, any of us could have imagined last night. Dan, just from the human interest element of it and just because you were on the scene and a part of this event, if you don't mind me asking, what have the last 12, 14 hours yeah. been like for you? About what you would expect. Uh, wasn't much sleep last night. Got up really early, seeking more information, hoping mm-hmm. to get positive news about DeMar Hamlin. I think that's what all of us have been doing today, just 
is waiting and hoping that we would get updates that indicated that he was uh, continuing to recover, that his condition was stabilizing. Um, and that's really all that uh, anybody here at the stadium is, is really talking about. There hasn't been much talk about the game. Uh, there hasn't been much talk about the implications of whether it gets played or doesn't. Really, everybody's talking about uh, the way to get more positive news from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals. Dan, I know your voice is tied forever to last season's magical run to the Super Bowl. And certainly now, Bengal fans, um, to have you in that moment under unprecedented circumstances, um, I, I, I know they are all, you know, thanking the job you did last night and for all journalists there as, again, we wait for more what is hopefully great information and great updates on DeMar Hamlin, the 24-year-old safety for the Buffalo Bills who remains in critical care in Cincinnati in an intensive care unit. I can't thank you enough for your perspective, Dan, and we'll certainly be thinking about you as well as um, this season continues and and um, this story hopefully finds a miraculous ending. Appreciate you. Thanks, Charlie. My pleasure. It's Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals. Again, um, it is a unique time to have a microphone in your hand when you realize that what started as one of the best games of the year becomes one thing, and that is life or death for a young person who's um, who's unfortunately laying on the turf as America watches and as medical personnel, as we're constantly reminded, um, you know, the heroism of those who decide to spend their lives learning and being prepared to make sure people stay on this earth. Um, when we think about the highest callings that you can commit your time and energy to Jimmy cook nights like last night, situations like these, we need to continue to find these people in our communities and let them know that they are the superheroes among us. Yeah. Particularly the, all the physicians and the independent medical personnel, everybody that was out there uh, in general, at Cincinnati, everybody at Cincinnati Medical Center and their level one trauma center that are helping DeMar in this fight. I mean, it, you know, of course, we talk about the athletes and it all, but medical professionals from a lead surgeon or a lead doctor all the way down to the people that are driving the ambulance and the EMTs that are on site. You train for situations like this, but your timeliness and your alertness in situations like this can be the difference between life or death or, or, or lifelong consequences and how quickly everybody responded yesterday. We talked a lot about the players, but how quickly last night everybody responded within that medical team. There, there's no there's no finger pointing going on today. Everybody did their job. Everybody was quick to react to it. All the players around there and the officials were quick to react to it. Uh, the only real, and again, it, it's, it's more semantics of it than anything because you're never going to know. Like at this point, now that the I, I regret even opening this can of worms, but the NFL and, and the officials and the broadcast team saying they were going to have five minutes to cool down and everything. Uh, from what I've read and understand, yeah. if that was in fact true and that just wasn't just misreported up the chain, 
It was with the NFL's policy they have in place. But your officials, you're human in the moment, and you think, okay, this game has to go on. Jimmy, I'm glad you brought this up because the bottom line is, but the NFL they made got the right, right decision. Yes, they got at the end right. of the day, the right decision and was made. I know many of us were looking at each other, saying, you know, why is there any thought going in here? Why is there any hesitation? They got it right, and again, any anything energy or time or thought that isn't being centered on you know giving this young man a chance yep. to survive this everything's secondary along with the update we just got from the league moments ago if you're just joining us on the fan Charlie Clifford Jimmy Cook Eddie Garrison the game will not be resumed this week there is no plan as of now to play the game between the Bengals and Bills There is one week left in the regular season before the postseason begins. Both of these teams will be advancing to the postseason. Um, Seeding yet to be determined. And for Buffalo Bills players, we know one pretty well, Naheem Hines, who was acquired by this team midseason. You know, surely they're in their apartments at their houses, hopefully with family members for those who have them in the Buffalo area. You know, surely checking their phones for updates about, all right, what, you know, what are we going to do as a team? But most importantly, surrounded by love, knowing that a teammate is still fighting for his life in Cincinnati under the care of some of the best doctors in the world uh, at the UC Trauma Center. And um, whatever the plan is to, get together and start thinking about opponents and you know that that is not for today right and it's been very clear a very classy move by our organization the indianapolis colts matt conti and his award-winning public relations team had some scheduled interviews with assistant coaches clearly many of us care about you know how this season's going to end and what's going to happen and their perspective is important they decided, hey, we're we're sitting this one out today. We, you don't need to hear from anyone from our organization other than that our prayers are with 24-year-old DeMar Hamlin, his family, the Buffalo Bills, and the NFL world as a whole as this story continues to develop. Again, DeMar Hamlin remaining in critical condition in Cincinnati. I want to thank Dan Horde who just joined us, the voice of the Bengals, Richard Skinner, who joined us during the 12 o'clock hour. I can't, ima- like, I can't imagine, because these are, again, they're reporters and they're play-by-play announcers, and, and we often don't, particularly this contest, this context, they aren't top of mind. The family's top of mind, the player's top of mind, but still, they went through this as well. And to not only go through everything last night, navigating post-game shows, navigating uh, network calls, navigating everything of coverage of this young man's fight for his life. Really appreciate them taking time because la- one of the last things I- I'd like to think I would still do that too. One of the last things to be on my mind is is making time for a radio hit, but to to know the importance of keeping people informed and still taking that time. Really appreciate it from both of them, Jimmy. It reminds us the importance of those people, specifically play by play reporters, analysts, yep. live reporters during games. That's when it matters to have hired good human beings right because there's no playbook you're on air yep your job is to share information not speculation 
And that is a very fine line in real time, knowing that above all else, if you're a good person, all you want to do is give respect to the family, to the young man whose lives at stake, and ultimately do yourself justice as a professional. And we continue to learn stories. We watch it on television, but more so we'll continue to learn more on radio of you know how, how people have handled. I'm sure Dan Hort has been flooded with messages about the way he conducted himself. And again, we're waiting, hopefully more good news here this afternoon on DeMar Hamlin, Bill's safety in Cincinnati. For Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, a quick timeout here. We will pivot to a much lighter conversation. Mike Chappell is going to join us at 2 o'clock. We'll certainly get Chap's perspective on what transpired last night and also the decisions ahead in the next week for the Indianapolis Colts. This coaching decision suddenly with Jim Harbaugh uh, making it very clear his interest to return to the National Football League and his interest not just in one job, but clearly in multiple opportunities. This is potentially going to come together quicker than you thought. Plus, the Pacers heading to Philadelphia. Can Rick Carlisle's team stun another contender in the East? What were the major takeaways from yesterday? What's the number one stat you should care about during this four-game win streak? We'll have that discussion after the break. Jimmy Cook and Charles. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Clifford, Eddie Garrison, and behind the ones and twos here on the Fan Midday Show. Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned to the Fan all day long. Ride with JMB coming up here from 3 to 6 as John takes through, obviously, his thoughts from everything last night with DeMar Hamlin, Buffalo safety. Again, for those of you that might be just joining us or just kind of on a break and consuming where the sports story itself is at, was in critical condition at Cincinnati Hospital from a bill statement early Tuesday morning after going into cardiac arrest during the mid stages of the first quarter of Bengals bills last night. Uh, the bills have since released a tweet mentioning that quote, Demar Hamlin spent last night in the intensive care unit and remains there today in critical condition at the university of Cincinnati medical center. We are grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support we have received thus far. And then again, this is the, it doesn't matter right now. DeMar Hamlin is the main focal point of all our well wishes, of all our concerns. But to keep you, the listener, informed, at least in terms of where the, the sports news day is, the NFL officially announces that this game will not be played this week. No decision has been made. This is from Tom Pelissero uh, from Commissioner Goodell's statement. No decision has been made regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. Uh, we've not announced any changes next this weekend's schedule. They will promptly advise all clubs of any decisions that are made regarding these matters. And again, with that as the week unfolds, and more importantly with DeMar Hamlin, any updates that we have on that front, we will continue to update you here on the fan as the fan as a whole. As a station, we'll do that as well. As we change gears towards the local action from last night, Charlie, I know we hit on it a little bit earlier in the show, but the Indiana Pacers 
Keep on chugging along. <sighs> Keep on defying expectations. And if you are one of those people like I am that has, it's different when they're in your local market, but that has a must-watch league pass team, that Pacers got to be top of that list. They're the second highest scoring offense in the Eastern Conference. I think they're arguably within the handful of top watchable teams in the NBA. Jimmy, yesterday they cut to a a woman in the stands who looked a little tired. I screenshot it. I'll put it out later. I'm like, this is this is when I act like I'm sleeping when people ask me, hey, what was your prediction for the Pacers this season? She is me. That is me. <laughs> I, I'm not awake. I'm wearing a Pacers shirt. I'm not awake. It's been a joyride for the last two weeks. It was fun early. They hit a rut where they couldn't figure out really to close games there for a five-game stretch. And Wally Zerbiak, thank you for your service. Tyrese Halliburton and this team now 6-1 and one since those comments. I'm not saying they had a direct effect. There is something, I think, subconsciously when you have a team that is, Rick Carlisle's admitted, look, we're fighting to defend our culture here. Why do you think I lead the league in technical fouls? We don't have the street cred because everyone's thinking the same thing. This team's been in limbo since Victor Oladipo got hurt originally. They've been stuck in NBA limbo. They've decided to prioritize the development of young athletic players with a coaching staff that is all in on not looking, you know, let's face it, Rick Carlisle leaving Dallas probably could have had better opportunities in the short term. Granted, this roster looks completely different. I don't think he even expected, you know, to really blow up that roster when he walked in. But, you know, the coaching staff, for its plan, for its ability to play the amount of players they are, to keep everyone involved in these rotations. Last night, seven players in double figures. Ben Mather in 21 points, the leading scorer. They've kept him as a rookie and utilized him as the biggest weapon off the bench in the NBA. Miles Turner is having a career year statistically across the board. And ultimately it's quotes last night, Jimmy, that I go back to, you know, you're seeing the dividends now. Benedict Mather and said, look, the crowd's a big reason why we just won four straight at home. This is becoming a very tough place to play again. And that's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing that no one first and foremost, myself included, expected this season. Gamebridge Fieldhouse is now a place where people don't want to play again, and that's how it should be in the basketball state. My benchmark for them was I hope they would be fun and electric again as a team (laughs) compared to last year. They have far exceeded those expectations, and the ride is just getting started for your now 21-17 and 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 13-7 at Gamebridge Fieldhouse Indiana Pacers. We're going to take a quick break. We come back the Dean, Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4. Of course, we'll get Chappie's thoughts. He wasn't on the beat covering it, but we'll get his thoughts from afar. He's a great knowledge bank of of NFL history and just put it into context. uh, What happened with DeMar Hamlin last night and his ongoing battle at uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Center in general, we'll get Chappie's thoughts on that. And then, of course, we'll shift gears towards the Colts, make Chappie digest yet another <laughs> rough performance from the Colts as they try to get the struggle bus across the finish line. And ultimately, we'll try to pry Chappie on the Jim Harbaugh rumors, get his pulse there as well. Jimmy Cook and Charlie Clifford here on The Fan. Colts talk with Mike Chappell next. 
Welcome back to the Fan Mix. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Today's show, Jimmy Cook and Charlie Clifford coming to you from the DriveHubler.com studios. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. As we've reiterated throughout the show today, uh, in case you're just seeing this or in case you're you're here for updates on Buffalo safety, Damar Hamlin, who again went to cardiac arrest during the Bills-Bengals game mid to late stages that first quarter last night and was rushed to University of Cincinnati Medical Center in their level one trauma center there. Uh, he's still in critical condition. Uh, the Bills gave us an update about a half hour ago addressing that and, and thanking everybody for their continued prayers and support as Damar is in this Again, literal battle for his life right now. And of course, our prayers and our thoughts are with him and his family and all those involved uh, as he navigates this and and we hope for a happy ending. We have talked about it from a number of different perspectives. And of course, we're, we're going to have meat and potatoes of, of the Colts and where things go from here. But just because our next guest is such a knowledge bank around the NFL, uh, one of the longest tenured individuals on a single beat covering the NFL and, and obviously the, the dean of the Colts for a reason in Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4. Chap, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Happy New Year to you. And I know that, again, this wasn't your beat, but you were, of course, tweeting about it a little bit last night. Um, just walk us through your consumption of all of this. And, and if you've ever seen, I'm, I'm sure you haven't. And if you haven't, I know I haven't seen anything uh, like what happened last night. Not to this level. Uh, one thing I'll say on the top is we sort of take the players for granted that, you know, hey, they get hurt, but they'll get better and all this. And I've been on the sidelines for a lot of games at the end when we're getting ready for the game to be over. And, and when you're down there, I've always wondered how somebody doesn't get hurt on every play. Yeah. Because you're talking about, you know, these these supreme athletes – in the prime of their careers, and just it, it, it's not a it's not a contact sport; it's a collision sport. And, and these guys, they 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 know the risk; they do. But younger players, boy, I'm telling, and I don't mean this in a in a bad way, but these young kids feel invulnerable. Yep, they do. They just do. I I remember talking to a player. Gosh, we did a CTE thing with that led off with Jeff Farad back with concussions and all this when I was still at the star. And I talked to a player and I said, don't you worry about these things, concussions and, and when you're 50 years old. And he said, I'm telling you, if, if I can give my family financial security, I'd spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair. And I mm-hmm. said, you're not serious. He said, yes, I am. So the, the the what what it starts with is these guys are wired differently. They just are, and they understand they're getting paid very very well, and they are risking injury. And I really don't think they they think further than that. Maybe I'm wrong, but okay, yeah, maybe an ACL, maybe an Achilles, maybe sure. a concussion. Not this. And there there have been a few instances where players uh, have been at risk and it's, but it's been a while or an ambulance just came out. We've seen that on a few occasions, 
But generally, almost always, you see the thumbs up sign from the player. Right. You know, and so you're so you're saying, okay, fine, it was awful, but you know, we got the thumbs up. And what my, what flashed to my mind was Austin Collie twice w- had the concussion where yeah, Philadelphia. His bo- remember his body froze and yeah. you get the what's it called fencing? Yeah. And it happened there, and it also happened in Indy uh, with Collie against Jacksonville. So you understand the risk and all this and. Like I say, when when you've done it this long, you, you you've you've had instances where you see these guys up close, and it, it just gives you an admiration. And so, when I hear people say, "Well, you know, they're overpaid," you know, they, you know, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. You could argue that they need to have guaranteed contracts so that that the risk is really compensated. But last night you're watching that, and and you're just. You're just sort of not in shock. I mean, because I'm not going to overstate it. We're watching this, and but boy, you you just pause and you're thinking, you know, give us something. And, and what from from the TV, what you what you saw, and, and this is what I've always taken from it, is you, you you read the players, and when you saw the reaction of players, of teammates, and the Bengals and the, and the coaches, that's when you knew it was serious because they were right there. These players saw yeah. CPR being administered. They saw oxygen being given. So they, they saw it and they knew. It's, it's, no one knows better than players how to read the situation. And, and they knew this was not normal. This wasn't just he got his bell rung. Here, but no, they knew. And, you know, it, it was – I will commend ESPN – I thought all those guys handled it well. They, they handled it a long time on the air, right? W- without knowing much, and you know, Booker McFarland and and Ryan Clark, and this morning I saw Dominic Foxworth. Those guys have played; they've done it before, and they gave really, really good perspective. So all you can do is thoughts and prayers to uh, to the player, and I, I, I direct message Naheem Hines, mm-hmm. who, who I think is a great guy about you know praying for. Uh, for, for Demar and, and you and, and the players, because this, yes, this directly affects Demar and his family. But but the players are families; they, they just are. Go, go in a Colts locker room and <laughs> right. in there when you're in there so much for so long, <laughs> there there is a connection. So uh, you, you just hope for the best. And the, I saw a doctor uh, on the air today, and they said you know the next couple of days will be important about how he responds. So all you can do is keep your fingers crossed and pray for the kid. Chap, Damar Hamlin, Hamlin, as we continue to learn more about this young 24-year-old man, surely all of us have a greater perspective now of time is not infinite here. Damar Hamlin is a person who prioritized making an impact, specifically in his hometown of Pittsburgh. He didn't have a fairy tale upbringing, and he chose to stay at Pittsburgh for college, could have gone anywhere. He was the top defensive player in the nation. Wanted to have a leadership role, a role model role with his younger sibling and also those coming up in his community. If you can give perspective to NFL players who now DeMar Hamlin carries that flag for them of they have made it a priority to do just as much off the field as they will do on. I know you've seen it countless times here in Indianapolis, the time 
the love, the energy it takes to make those decisions and to make that a priority. I think this instance is a reminder of people like DeMar Hamlin who have made their life choices with that being a priority. If you can expunge on that a bit. Yeah, it's sort of the pay it forward. And and I don't care what you do, what line of work you're in, just pay it forward. And it sounds corny, cliche, but... You know, do something for somebody and they do something for somebody and, and then everybody's better off. And that's what these players do. The vast, vast... It doesn't get talked about enough, chap. It doesn't. Right, well, well I mean, we do when it's time for the Mike... Was it Mike Leeds, my cause? Yep, yep, yep. And, and then, you know, yep. everybody's got their, their thing. And, would, and the Colts have done it. And, and the Ursus did a real good thing with their with their kicking the stigma. Uh, but but these players, like I said, the vast majority, if not all of them, have something. They have something that they support. You know, Shaq Leonard has his, and Ryan Kelly has his, yeah. and, and that's what I remember talking to Frank Reich after he, he was let go, and he said that it was very important important to him that to have the platform. Remember his his, his not was it not here? Not no, yeah, not today. Sure. Yep, not today, and. And he knows, he understands that having that platform gives you the power to do stuff to influence people and go through that Colts locker room. And, and these guys have that. And I think I saw that uh, the GoFundMe for, for his charity has like gone from, you know, what, 2000 to $4 million, whatever, whatever right. it's gone right. to. And it's one of those that if everybody just gives – you know, 25 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, whether it's to him, which would be great or, or any of these guys. And because the money goes to their, to their foundation, not to them, but they make by and large good money. So, but, but it's really cool to see that these players, whether, whether going back, whether it was Edron or Reggie or, or Peyton or Tarek or, or any of these guys, Freeney, Mattis, that they've all got something that they do have done. Some are still doing it. And it's just cool to see that, and, and this sort of it just—it's—it's it's a side thing of what, it, 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 like you said, it shines a spotlight on what these guys do away from the field. It's unfortunate that that it took this to maybe really shine the light on him. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, these guys—you know—it's we enjoy watching them play. We enjoy. Remember back when ESPN used to have the big hits? You know, <laughs> yes. Up and, yes. And, and, and which was, <laughs> was kind of cool to see. And yeah. But these guys are putting their lives it's, on the line, or their bodies on the line. So the NFL, what, what this shows you is the NFL has done so much to to make the game safer. But there's only so much you can do because yep. this is still such a violent sport, and you've got the the top one half of one percent of the world pl- who, who can do this, and bad things can happen yeah. really bad things can happen and you just there have been times that I still got a video on my phone of Andrew Luck's rookie season when he got lit up against Green Bay I mean face to face and I'm thinking hey we're done with our luck era <laughs> and, he, and he pops up and plays it's amazing like I say sometimes I'm just amazed that these players get up and can continue. But again, last night was a, was a totally different level. 
And again, you read the player, read the players, and they'll tell you how dire the situation is. Mike Chapel on the Mower Shop from Fisher's Hotline here on the fan. Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook with you today. Chap, to close this portion of the conversation, I wanted you to have a chance to speak on this. Obviously, we are all in agreement. Prayers, all energy going to DeMar Hamlin and his family who stand by his side in Cincinnati. Again, if you're just joining us, the Bills safety injured critically last night remains in intensive care in critical condition in Cincinnati. That is the latest update we got within the last half hour from the Buffalo Bills. In a very classy move today, quietly, Matt Conti and his award-winning PR team here in Indianapolis decided to pass on what was a previously scheduled availability. A thought from you on that decision and the organization that no one's been closer to than you. Yeah, it just would have been really hard and awkward and meaningless to talk. We get coordinators today, every Tuesday. And, and how do you say, well, what happened against whatever, and what are you going to do against it? It just wouldn't have been right. And 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 I we would have had to ask about the situation, and it just wouldn't have been right to put these guys on the spot to get their perspective. So it was the right decision. Kudos, Matt Conti. Almost always, I I, I use almost because I, I'm all, I'm all, I'm I'm feared to. To use always, <laughs> almost almost always does the right thing. He's got everyone's best interests at heart. There is probably no better PR guy in the league than, than he and his staff. Right, it, is the right thing. And I will tell you, I'm on the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee. <laughs> in, in the selection or the announcement of of the final 15 guys hmm. was due out tonight. Wow, and and we I say we the Hall of Fame has postponed that to at least tomorrow, maybe longer. I don't know. Good. But it's just, you know, life goes on, and the NFL has to go on. At some point, they've got to decide what they're doing with the game. They have to. But but there comes a time when there will be that time for that. Right now, it's not appropriate to talk about other things until – almost until you know that the kid's okay. And I'm not Correct. sure how soon we're going to know that. You know, at some point – the, the Colts are going to play Houston, and, and mm-hmm. Buffalo needs to play their final game. That's going to be tough. And, and how how they decide the Cincinnati game is it going to be a tie? I, I don't know. But you know, at, at, at some level, they had at some level they were talking about that last night. Let, let's be clear: the NFL, right. as tragic as that was, the, some form that they've got some area that was saying, "Okay, now what do we do?" Because that's their job. But right now, it's not the it's it's not the right time to to be talking about anything else. Really, I mean, really. So maybe tomorrow we'll we'll get in the locker room tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll all ask players about it and reaction. Jeff Savio will talk about it. But right now, today is the right time. Chap, while we have you, obviously, and again, in case those of you that are with us and have been along for this interview, you know, podcast will continue to be up, and we'll continue to have coverage on Demar Hamlin. As we get it here on the fan and, and as we see it in general for those on scene at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, last we heard, as Charlie iterated there, he remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, Bill's released that statement. They're grateful for the outpouring of support. And, of course, we continue our, our prayers with his family as they 
navigate through this time and as he battles for his life. Chappie, while we have you, though, I, I do want to turn the direction towards the Colts just for a second and because you sure. always are on top of... of I know you don't navigate in the rumor mill waters, but you don't navigate there as much because you've been around so long and you you know what the business is. So I I'm the foolish kid here, chap. I'm I'm digging. I'm I'm putting my hands into the rumor mill. Uh, what have been your thoughts on all the Jim Harbaugh chatter the last uh, 24 hours? I I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously, is he interested? I've not seen anything from him. Right. You know, I, I thought last year. When he didn't get, was it Minnesota? I think he went yep. and interviewed with. Yeah, correct. He, I think he, I think he thought he was going to get it and didn't. Yep. And I thought I saw where he said, "This is, I'm, I'm, this isn't going to be an every year thing." You know, right. it's well, here we are again. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I believe the team has at least talked to him in the past, not not now, right? Uh, and, and at least tested his desire. To, to, to be the coach, and obviously it didn't go anywhere because he's not been the coach. Uh, I think he would be a good a good possibility, a, a good candidate. You know, he, he he's a proven winner at, at both levels. Uh, I, I I wonder how serious Jeff Saturday's candidacy is. I know he wants the job, right? And I know Jim Irsay believes he can be. A good head coach, a very good head coach, given if he can come in and start, you know, ground zero and not the last eight games where you could have put George Hallis out there and nothing would have happened. <laughs> this, this, this franchise is broken at, at several levels. I don't know. We should have some ideas next week, at least where they're going. You know, officially they will be without a coach as of, you know, whatever it is, Sunday night or Monday morning because just right. an interim. So that you know, and knowing how things can be, I would assume there could be contact with Jim or, or, or anybody. You know, you can you can kind of put out floaters and feelers and hey, what if and this that and the other. So I, I don't put anything past how this works. But they do keep in mind they do have to adhere to the Rooney Rule and, and talk to minority candidates. Right. So even if Jim Mersey knows who he wants. You know, Leslie Frazier, his name's going to get thrown in, uh, and, and you know, and he's been here before, so it'll be. I, I hope this is something. I, I hope when the season's over, shortly thereafter, that Jim Mersey says, "Yes, I said Chris Ballard will be here, and damn it, he's going to be here." Mm-hmm. And then that they get the coaching thing going, and you know, if they want somebody still playing in the playoffs, you know that creates a little bit of an issue where you get permission and there's that window, which I'm not, I can't remember what the window is when you can talk to guys, the bye week, whatever. I don't know. I hope this does. And I don't think this thing is going to drag out for a month. I, I don't, but what, what I've said, like on Fox 59 with those guys is I'm, I'm past the point of caring about, you know, last week's game or this week's game <laughs> because you, they have to get to the point to where they can start rebuilding what's broken and that really can't happen until this thing's over. Chap, that brings us to an interesting crossroad from a PR standpoint. Do you expect regardless of who the head coach is, regardless if it's a rookie quarterback tabbed as potentially 
the week one starter or a different veteran quarterback forecasted as the short-term solution in 2023. Does Jim Irsay and his rhetoric of the expectation of contending at all costs with no secondary thought of the fact that this is going to take time. Is it time for Mr. Ursay to redirect his public viewpoint to we tried, as he called it in his ESPN interview on Monday Night Football, an odyssey with veteran quarterbacks that appeared right. to be a shortcut to short-term success. Is it time for Mr. Ursay to change the tone to the fact that Chris Ballard is staying and this is becoming a process again where short-term success and expectations need to be tempered significantly. Well, whether he says it or not, that's the, what you laid out is the, rea- the reality. It just is. And I think it's going to be fine to say, listen, we're, we're still committed to excellence. We're still committed to get a Lombardi trophy. But it might take us a year or two because, again – Wherever this season ends up, and it's it's been hard to watch and difficult to deal with on a lot of levels, if you go – not if. When you go with a rookie quarterback, whoever that is, however how you get in the draft or whatever you do, you're going to have to have a veteran guy not named Matt Ryan and not named Nick Foles. Yeah. I just don't think they're back next year. To, to get you six games, eight games, unless the rookie comes in and is just ready. And that just doesn't happen very often. It just doesn't. So I just think, and, and, and as you sit here now, you don't know who that guy's going to be. You, you don't know which one of those top three quarterbacks or whatever you're going to get. So it's just, it's going to be, you're hoping not losing four games by 20 points and just getting rolled a couple of times. But you you just have to have to realize that this is going to be, next year might be like this, Record-wise, now maybe not. Maybe you make enough moves and you get a quarterback, a veteran that that is better than what you've had, and at least you're respectable. But yeah, you, I agree. The message has to be: Hey, listen, we're still driving for, for excellence. We still want another trophy, but but it might take us a couple years. And, but but as long as you have a quarterback, a young quarterback, Correct. where people say, you know. I can see this guy being the guy. As long as you have that, I think the fan base will be fine with it. They'll have to Critical. for a year. Now, Critical. the second year, you're going to need to see something. But, but yeah, <laughs> I, I do think it would be important to sort of temper, you know, hey, long-term, this is what we want, but short-term, this is what we might have. Chap, about a decade or so ago, uh, you saw at least over to our, our neighbors a couple states over in Kansas City. They were at the bottom of their state as a franchise. I don't know if the Colts are, are quite that bad, but on offense, you could argue they are. Uh, they change regimes and bring in Andy Reid, who the Eagles had parted ways with. Obviously, we have no idea where the coaching market in terms of other firings that may or may not happen is going to unfold. But was that the Brady Quinn Chiefs team? Uh, it was in, rock, that, rock. In, that, in that same stretch. Yes, very much so. Forget about and, that and, one. And so you bring in a face that is basically reestablishes your identity as a franchise. Obviously, we don't know if the Colts go this way, but it's a long way of asking how exhaustive is this process going to be and, and, and how important is it at this critical juncture of the Colts as a franchise to make sure it is a foundational leader and a foundational piece uh, over at West 56th? 
well, it's major. I mean, it is I would contend it's more important to have the quarterback right. Sure. Sort of got because I think we agreed. We saw during we saw during the Luck era that, and even Manning to a degree that the quarterback covers up so many, <laughs> so many mm-hmm. deficiencies. Now, and I, but I don't want to diminish the importance of, of the of the coach, right? But the, the coach is the face of your franchise, and, and the way it is, he's the spokesman of your franchise. Because I remember during the Napoleon days, they took it to the extremes, but it was one voice. Right. They want the one voice, and a lot of times that is your head coach, and that's why it's going to be interesting if he goes to just Saturday, which people people should not rule that out. I mean, let's be clear: don't rule out that just back, that, just yep. because of the Jim Mercer's yep. belief in him. But I'm not sure it, it would be hard to sell the fan base if that's important to Jim Mercer. He's my coach because what? I mean, what? And again, I've said all along that I was going to say, Chap, if you're Jeff Saturday walking into that meeting at the end of the year, and Jim Irsay is saying, "All right, give me your sales pitch." What do you even lead with? What do you lead well, with? But 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 Jim Irsay knows. What, that's why I say these these eight games. What could he have done? You know, I, I don't know what now, now. The way some of these games have ended, right at the end of the season. Now that that's I, tough. That that that's on your resume. It's on all the players' resumes. It's on his as the interim coach, but it, it, it's that's the message you're going to have is this is our guy. Yes, the quarterback's going to come in, but this is the guy that's going to do it. And you bet, yeah, you better be right. You just better be right because if you miss on the coach, you miss on the quarterback, you're setting yourselves back again two or three years. And you don't want to, you know, assuming Chris is back, he better have a role. In the new head coach because he's got to get along with the head coach. <laughs> I, I would, I would certainly just, hope so. <laughs> they just have to because there's so much that goes into it. You spend so much time building your team, and if you guys don't believe in each other or don't trust each other or whatever, chap, you're just one you, regime removed from that very scenario. Correct? I mean, that was right. I, I, th- I think it worked okay early, yeah, and then it didn't. And whether that was personalities, whatever, yeah. I don't know. But it, yeah, at the end, and at the end, Bill Polian and Jim Mora didn't get along. I mean, they didn't even talk to each other at the end of that. So it's, you, you've got to get along and, and there, there's so much that goes into that personalities and philosophies and all that. So we, it's funny. We've talked to how the last three or four, two or three off seasons of this is the most important off season in the last, well, this, now this one is because, because you didn't handle the last couple the right way. So it, it's really kind of be, Interesting how they do it. Uh, again, like I said, let's take the owner of this word. He went on ESPN and said Chris Ballard's coming back. I'm okay. with you, I, I chap. I I don't necessarily agree with your, you know, Jeff Saturday. I I feel like the case is closed there. I, you're I right, do, chap. <laughs> We're a split house there, but I, I am with you. I do not see a scenario where Jim Irsay, if he said that two weeks ago, and they lose two lousy games that have no no. Meaning the last two years, he he isn't going to change his stance on Chris Bauer. I think Colts fans that, should know that, that. That would have happened anyway. Yeah. Whatever you want to blame Chris for, the last few, I guess you'd say that he didn't have enough quality depth. I don't know, but but this has all been quarterback driven. This offense is so bad that, and, and yes, some of that's on him. A lot of that's on him, but that's been the case all year. So if if that bothered you to the firing level, you would have done it <laughs> yeah, before yeah. now because. 
what you're going to see last week and, and this week is going to change your mind. Well, how? As far, as far as Chris Ballard and the roster, this is this is what you've had all year. And I tell you, up until the last game, I would have taken this defense and brought it back and felt really good about next year. I think the defense is just wearing out. They're, they're, you know, the, the yeah. injuries are, are really depleting them. Offensively, this has been, by and large, a healthy offense. I, I'm with you. We, have been healthy. That's been the most head-scratching thing. Chap, final thought here. We got a minute here before we got to jump to a commercial break. In terms of unwatchable Colts offenses, where does this one rank? Where is it? I believe it was. I believe in 1991 they were one in 15 and they scored 140, 40 some points. So, so that, they got to go that's less than 10 a game. So they got that one trumped. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. So, but but this is this is different because because it's 2022 and and, and you're still playing like it's 91. Oh, it's, with your play it's design, watching. It's been very impossible to win because the offense can't score. Chap, always appreciate, appreciate you, you making time for us. Happy New Year again to yeah. you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, sir. buddy. Thanks, guys. Be well. Thank you. That's the Dean. Mike Chapel, Fox 59 and CBS 4, brought to you by the Motor Shop and Fishers Hotline. The Motor Shop and Fishers for all your residential commercial mowers, as well as snowblowers, power tools, equipment, services, so much more. They have you covered at the Motor Shop and Fishers and the motorshop.com. Thank you for properly doing that, Reed, as I I've done it. continue uh, to give I've, it the Spark I, I, Notes I, I, version. You, you have no copy in front of you. <laughs> I, I've done it probably 30 times now. heard it countless times before that, so it's apples and oranges, but thank you. Jay Cook carrying us here, partner. <laughs> hey, when we come back, a thought on an IU lineup change the Hoosiers open up Big Ten play tomorrow uh, excuse me Thursday at Iowa what went wrong for Purdue and its first loss of the season plus what can continue to go right for the Pacers the X Factor on Rick Carlisle's team those thoughts coming up next on the fan Indy what's going on life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 1230, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Jimmy Cook with you all afternoon here on the Fan 93.5, 1075. John's in at 3 o'clock. We continue to feel the unifying power of sports as we monitor the DeMar Hamlin situation in Cincinnati. Bill safety, if you're just joining us this afternoon, remains in intensive care, critical condition after collapsing in the first quarter last night between the Bengals and the Bills and the league office and everyone that is now outside of this circle. Um, It has been nothing short of inspiring to see what we can do when we aren't yelling at each other and bickering over things that really have no consequence in the grand scheme of life. When an event like this occurs, strangers springing into action to help other strangers. um, There's no better example of what transpired last night in Cincinnati and what has continued to happen today. And we hope we've done Tamar Hamlin as a person justice. He is clearly someone who has chosen to be a role model in life. Uh, We've talked about it a couple times on this show. Pittsburgh, Buffalo, 
anyone who's come into contact with DeMar Hamlin uh, knows that he has priorities above being a great football player that rank ahead of becoming you know, a star and becoming famous and becoming financially safe. There's a young man here that's fighting for his life who has made time for others throughout his journey, uh, which was not a fairy tale when he was walking around Pittsburgh as a young person. And if you can take some time and read up on this young man, you too will feel what Jimmy and I are feeling talking about him shoot, I just want to go out and help somebody. I want to see this story end in miraculous fashion with DeMar making a full recovery and living a healthy and happy life. Um, man, that that's going to be an emotional pregame situation across the NFL beginning Saturday afternoon in Las Vegas when surely moments of silence will take place ahead of the national anthem and... Um, Anyone who is wearing a uniform and wearing a logo on the sideline will be feeling the same emotion that you step on that field, it's a risk. And um, that had tragic consequences here in the short term for a very inspiring young 24-year-old Jimmy. And if you're a sports fan or just a a, a human being that's come across this story and and you feel helpless in the moment, you're overcome with emotion, you want to know how to help or or what's a small gesture you can do, it's obviously circulated uh, all across Twitter if you haven't seen it already, but he and his mother had a toy drive that helped uh, support DeMar's community. Uh, It's called the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. If you go to GoFundMe.com and just start typing the word chasing, it's going to pop right up. You can click on that. Uh, It had a goal of $2,500, had about $10,000 in there last night, as is reported by a number of outlets. It's up to $4.4 million of donations for that toy drive. Uh, Absolutely incredible. That is one of, of countless different stories of just human beings being kind-hearted, considerate, decent human beings over the last 15 hours or so. And again, you don't have to, but if you're looking for a way to, uh, of course, there's a number of charities involved with heart health that you can always be a part of as well. But if you're looking for something with this specific story, Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive on GoFundMe, just seeing that continue to grow and grow and grow as the hours pass has been sensational. I would encourage you as well if you're trying to learn more about this young man. Damar Hamlin has a YouTube page. He has done video blogs of not only some camps he's helped run in the past, but it just gives you an insight to okay, he's giving back his time. He's out there. It's not for the Instagram. There are countless little interactions he has with parents on the sideline, with kids involved in these events. Um, It's a special special person and um we're praying for a positive outcome here on the shoulder of this story is what do the bills and Bengals do with one week remaining the nfl shared with us within the last hour the game will not be resumed replayed or revisited this week in any capacity uh the week 18 of the nfl will start again saturday with two games and then the remainder of the games And no decision about anything regarding last night's contest has been finalized. Um, Certainly, as those updates come along, the fan will have you covered as well. Uh, 
Moving to much lighter storylines that we've had fun going back and forth with Jimmy. IU plays its opener in the Big Ten Thursday at Iowa. Iowa's 0-3. They've struggled to kind of replace Keegan Murray and figure out how they're going to win games in crunch time without uh, who was uh, you know power forward that went fourth overall in the draft. IU's going to start Tamar Bates. Trey Galloway's going to come off the bench. Xavier Johnson, obviously, unavailable indefinitely. We heard from Don Fisher yesterday. Jalen Hood-Shafino is the point guard. Freshman came out of one of the biggest prep schools, you know, powerhouse high school programs in the country down in Florida. It is now his team, more or less, in terms of handling the basketball. And then Purdue, Jim. Yesterday, Rutgers comes in and quietly turns this story sideways of an unbeaten team uh, first, your thoughts on IU and starting strong and really the spotlight being on Trace Jackson Davis and all the attention, all the expectations for the first time since Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller were running out in the starting lineup. IU is expected to win big. Where do you think this goes this season? Because it's time to kind of make some predictions. Yeah, You've seen so, him play a little bit. Here comes the Big Ten. I need a prediction. The, the the Xavier Johnson injury obviously puts a speed bump in that, but to some extent, this team is going to go as far as the complementary pieces in their guard play rise, but also as far as Trace Jackson Davis is able to not be limited on a night-to-night basis. Uh, I, I'm not against, and in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming the change in the lineup heading into Big Ten play because in terms of... I want to call it a crossroads moment, but if you're going to try to make a, a shift in the lineup right now and insert Bates in there over Galloway and bring Galloway off the bench, it's clear that Mike Woodson likes his two-guard look. That's what he wanted with Javier, uh, with Xavier Johnson and Jalen Hood-Shafino. He's still getting that with Bates and with Hood-Shafino out there. But this is the time to do that. The last thing you want to do is be trying to, to, to reinvent your identity in the middle of the Big Ten season if the change is happening, the time is now. Does it impact? I mean, yeah. It, it, look, I think it's a huge, you know, Don, Fish kind of said, hey, we've got a point guard. You know, we're good. I think I framed the question like you're going in without your point guard. No, we got one. Hood Shafino, he is the answer, by the way. Like, to be clear, I know he's a freshman, but but his arrival, like. The North Carolina first half shows you. All the issues they had a year ago at times. I don't want to say are washed away, but you're less worried about it because of Hood Shafino and, and complimenting Xavier Johnson out there. Now you're hoping there's a little bit more workload on the freshman now in terms of the responsibility, but he is their point guard. You had Tamar Bates in there. He's had, what, like 19 points a number of different times a season, I think three or four different Best instances. Best shooter. Best shooter. I, Even with an improved Miller cop, if there's one Hoosier taking a three that you need, He's your guy. Is this team, in my mind, still capable of winning the Big Ten? Absolutely. Are they still capable of making it in a deep run in March? Absolutely. But until they are going with See, this It's funny because I think some people, after the Arizona and Kansas game, those are two deep run, you're going to run into someone of that caliber at a minimum in the Sweet sure. 16. And, and, and maybe, maybe that ultimately does bounce you. But in terms of... Everything that kind of hampered IU in those games and just the fast-paced tenacity that they were hit. Look, I, I'll I'll wipe away what happened at Fog because nobody like did. I think even as a confident IU fan, there no, Dude, no, everybody that was not even a no, game. It wasn't, and, and not everybody gets rocked like that. But most people go into Fog and they lose. It just happens at Allen Fieldhouse. The Arizona game again. 
a little disheartening the way those run just kind of blitzkrieged you in the mouth and the same thing happened against Kansas at times. Is that adjustable? Is it fixable? In my mind, yes. But to say I'm fully confident that they're going to win the Big Ten, your benchmark games are going to happen in conference. Look what Rutgers did at Purdue last night. Purdue is still a benchmark. How they match up with Purdue ultimately in that first game is going to be telling for me and how confident I am. Why do we have to wait till February 4th? We're a month away tomorrow from that contest. IU hosting Purdue. Braden Smith, Zach Eady, uh, bring your earplugs. But <laughs> you know, you know, Matt Painter is, you know, he he would play that game. Xavier Johnson twice a week matters to me, which is yeah. why I, I'm reserving a little bit with full confidence. Because also, Charlie, as you know, how often every year do we see a team in the final three or four weeks of the season have this full sprint of ten or fifteen wins in a row, and all of a sudden, maybe back in January, week one, you're like, yeah. Uh, I don't know about this team. And then all of a sudden they're on a hot streak to close. You bottle it up into March. It's fun having two contenders. Yeah. You have not been able to say that in in a state that prioritizes basketball more than any in the country. I don't care if people say no, North Carolina. No, it's different here. The, the size of the fan bases, the divided houses, uh, there is nothing like college basketball in Indiana. And it's going to take Thad model a little time to get Butler yep. back on track. He is the person to do that. Mm-hmm. And it'll still be an interesting story regardless. But Indiana's got top turn the ball over. It's, that, that, that's this IU that, Purdue, man. I mean, this is, you, you do yourself a favor and soak this up because who knows when it will be like this again. This is no given. And I think some teams in the Big Ten potentially state taking a step back. From there, you know, are Michigan and Michigan State as lethal as they typically are? Is Chris Holtman at Ohio State, you know, is is he ready to ascend that program to where many thought he would have it by now? <laughs> the timing seems right. It's the best conference. In the state. It's the best conference in college basketball for a reason. There are so many. Not sure if it is this year, I, I but just, traditionally, in terms of yes, traditionally, but in terms of the way that it eats you up and spits you out <laughs> the track on a nightly basis of March. Yes, the grind, the, right? The, the physicality. Let's pause March for a second. We've seen just, the impact it right. has in March. Right. You know, you can't you, you, trust me. My brackets have been ripped to shreds. Might as well. My Big Ten bias the last <laughs> three, four years. It's crazy. What went wrong for Purdue last night? I mean, Rutgers in general and Steve Peichel's groups are always like this is a team that if you let them jump on you early, they're going to dictate the way tempo and pacing of that game rolls. And I give credit, all the credit in the world to Matt Painter with how his group responded in a multitude of instances Down last night half. where I felt like they were still going to walk out of Mackey with a win. Like they were going to steal a win away from Rutgers and right the ship. Why I'm not massively concerned about Purdue is, is Zach Eady obviously really foul trouble, got them a bit, but he still finished with 19. He was still 6 of 10. They were never going undefeated. Nobody no, this, nobody goes this undefeated. didn't have the feel of Kentucky. I, so I'm not I'm not worried about Purdue. I'm not, that, that was I'm, not, I'm not worried about Purdue. Plenty to look at from the tape and how Rutgers attacked you on a number of different levels, but nothing that I'm jumping off, you know, uh the ledge of no. Purdue basketball and saying yeah, their, their season they have no shot now. Fletcher Lawyer made the shot. You no. needed a stop and a rebound, you didn't get it. Yep. 
Yep. Go ahead. We're going to take a quick break, our final break of the program. We come back, we'll hand out some bets. Of course, if we have any updates on DeMar Hamlin, as he still is in critical condition, uh, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center will provide those for you as well. Uh, some bets to look at tonight in general, and just final Colts, Pacers, little IU-Purdue mix in there as well to close the show. Here on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 